Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. Okay, with the talking about October being bad for COVID-19 and November being somewhat of a peak, one good thing that can be said about this if you're pro-vaccination is that there's been uh, an uptake, uh, a doubling in recent days. Uh, they've uh, intensified their campaigns to reach the unjabbed, according to the head of the program within the HSC who handles this, uh, a twofold rise in recent daily vaccination rates. And they're driving on to try and get more reluctant members of the public, as they say, uh, double jabbed. So that's the story that makes the star today. Uh, in fact, the mirror picks up in their front page saying, let's finish the jab. The big push to get the unvaccinated protected as numbers in hospital soars. And we're pretty much now a tipping point, it seems, with regards to the pressure on hospital. 500 in hospital now, 99 of them in intensive care. Of course, we have a lot more intensive care beds than 99, and they are being taken up by people of other uh, with serious illnesses, but 99 of the beds uh, are COVID-related, and they're saying two-thirds of those are unvaccinated. In fact, there's a, an, a story that makes the papers today uh, here on Lee side with regards to um, the amount of pregnant women uh, in uh, Cork hospitals, and there's a rise in ICU admissions for pregnant women, according to the ECHO uh, across the country. Now, the article doesn't say, and it doesn't determine us to pregnant women that are vaccinated or unvaccinated, so I'm not even going to go there. But one of the big issues, of course, is uh, publicans, nightclubs. So we know that nightclubs will have to be ticket and booked events, and they're going to try and clarify this in the in the coming days because the hospitality sector haven't a clue what's going on, nightclub owners and particularly publicans who have uh, live entertainment. So it's, a, it's, it's musicians getting hammered yet again because a lot of the musicians, musicians would have played in bars with live music and, and late bars and what have you. So what's the difference between ticketing um, and pre-booking uh, your entry to a nightclub and indeed a bar or a venue with live music or a late pub that has live music. Live music. So that's the issue now. I mean, a lot of stuff was clarified. And then Friday afternoon, they threw this grenade into the whole mix, if you like. So pubs are waiting to see what this... There's no issue with a pub that doesn't have live music. Uh, but if there is live music, apparently... I don't know. I could be I could be flippant about it and say that COVID behaves behaves differently if the music is live or recorded. But there you have it. So they need clarity on that over ticketing, particularly for pubs. You know, with the with the run in across November and into Christmas and Christmas parties and stuff like that. Will they be ticketed events? Other than that, though, um, there's unfortunately rather alarming story almost half buried away in the Independent that says the government is hoping that there is still time to avoid new COVID restrictions. What? new COVID restrictions for the Christmas period because daily cases and hospital numbers will peak in November. So the emphasis now, as I say, is on targeting those who have yet to be uh, to be um, vaccinated, but there's still time to avoid Christmas curbs. I hope that doesn't happen. I hope we keep on moving forward. That's why headlines like that and stories like that in the papers are somewhat alarming. Another is the amount of traffic on our roads. Have you seen it? I mean, it's much darker in the mornings, incidentally, and it's going to be maybe brighter in the mornings from next weekend, but darker earlier in the evening with the with the time change. But uh, traffic has hit pre-COVID levels now. Uh, and a lot of that... Um, it's because not everybody's safe. Not everybody is, um, is is safe in the knowledge that they should go back into public transport. So they're shunning uh, buses still and still opting for their own motor cars. Uh, but one of the things for motor cars, of course, is the price of petrol and diesel. What in the name of God is going on? It's insane. Like you are looking at now, one seventy four a liter. I know. Ten days ago it was one fifty six, and six months ago it was around about one twenty odd. 
and two years ago it was a Euro 12. I have no idea um, where this is going to stop. It's scary high now. And they're saying on average now, um, it's a blow for drivers because a tank of petrol is sitting 100 euro. And I know it depends on the car, size of the engine, the size of the tank. But I think, I bet you one thing you've noticed. If, for instance, you're a creature of habit and you put 50 euro in or 30 euro in all of the time. Uh, I'm the 50 euro because I get further and don't have to go back as often. But I bet you've noticed that it fills a hell of a lot faster. I mean, you must have noticed that for God's sake. And of course, it all has to do with the price per litre. So it's filling faster uh, with less. And then, of course, with the run into Halloween, and I know what they're coming from, this consultant plastic surgery in the bonds, surgeon in the bonds called Anne McKenna. And she's giving a Halloween warning for toddlers in particular. But I know what she's talking about when she says that sparklers burn incredibly hot. And she says in the Echo today that in the bonds, they've had children who've had to have amputations Others are lucky that they just need skin grafts. Um, and that's the kind of treatment that they're de- dealing with in hospitals around Halloween because of plastics, because of, um, because of sparklers. And I know what she's talking about. I was burned by one once. I mean, it is a completely different level of heat. I mean, it's just, uh, I was going to say lava-like. I've never stuck my hand in lava, but this is seriously searing hot. Uh, maybe you too have been burned, I mean, accidentally, uh, by a sparkler. Well, that's happening once at Halloween. There's a great story in the Echo of a farm over in Killa. It's Joe's farm. They're doing very well, thank you very much, because they've put aside a portion of their family farm to grow, and I guess to sell, American-style pumpkins. And, of course, there's a huge pickup on pumpkins. It came in from America, like a lot of stuff does. Um, uh, years ago, I think, um, I was reading an article there recently, I think it was Jumbo Karen's in a, in a column, or he might have been on radio or something, from the mirror, and he was, he was talking about, back in the day, we never had pumpkins. All we ever had, and what we carved out up the country, were turnips. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I, I think a pumpkin would be much easier to carve out than a turnip. Did you ever cut up a turnip, chopped it up at the weekend to boil it? Yes, there's, there's serious cutting in it. Um, and then, of course, one other Halloween-related story. And I have to hold my hand up. I haven't watched Squid Games. I know nothing about it, apart from the fact that it's full of violence and it's full of death and killing. But yet kids love it. And I was telling you last week that Squid Game costumes are at the top of the children's wish list for Halloween. They're the costumes they want. But there's a warning coming out now in the Independent this morning don't let your children watch Squid Games, it's just too violent violent, um, but they must be watching it, they've got to be watching it already it comes with a 16s cert apparently, but they have to be watching it already if they're mad keen to replace the witch's costume with a Squid Game costume what are you going to do? Oh and with regards to schools, and I know that this is going to again uh, be rather divisive when I say this, but there is a story nonetheless in the Irish Mirror that says that Irish teachers are amongst the highest paid in Europe. Um, um, and they do an average. Now, to get an average, you have to take, say, for instance, the salary of a 25 to 34-year-old teacher and the salary of a 55 to 64-year-old teacher. And you get the average from the two of those. So the 25 to 34-year-old average is uh, just under 50 grand, 49,529. And the average for a 55 to 64 t- teacher is uh, just under 74 grand. So apparently the average gross salary for a primary teacher in Ireland is, drumroll, 58,975. Now, uh, I wonder if primary school teachers listening to this or listening to the podcast or the repeat overnight would like to comment and jump in on that. Uh, so that is the, the, the figure. Only 
Luxembourg, Denmark and Germany apparently have higher primary teacher salaries than we do in this country. And I love this story as a, with regards to neighborliness. You know, neighbors, everybody has their neighbor, or worse to that effect. But apparently almost half of the public have no problem whatsoever giving their neighbor a key to their home. Well, you would, wouldn't you? I mean, and you should, shouldn't you? Give a neighbour your key in the event of anything going wrong or them needing to come in and check it or might check it for you from time to time if you're off for two weeks' holidays. Why wouldn't you? I mean, assuming you give it to the trusting neighbour. You're lucky if you've got a trusting neighbour on both sides like I do. But, I mean, it's a perfectly normal thing to give a neighbour a key. I mean, am I the only person? Surely be to God, everybody gives a neighbour a key. So nearly 50%. I wonder about the other 50 <laughs> I wonder about the other 50%. <laughs> What's that telling you? They don't trust their neighbours with their key. What would they be doing? You're rumbling through your drawers, checking your fridge, huh? like scurrying around for change under the cushions of the sofa and stuff like that. <laughs> I need to lie down in the cold, in the dark room for a while. Okay, other stories then that might be of, of interest to you as you head into uh, Halloween is um, the latest survey out picking Toy Story as the most beloved fam- family film of all time. 41% of those that answered a Pixar comedy poll voted Toy Story as number one. I don't know, is Toy Story 2 better than Toy Story 1? Food for thought. But anyway, apparently Toy Story is number one, followed by Frozen, followed by The Lion King, then Shrek, then Willy Wonka, then Matilda, then Mrs. Doubtfire, then Mary Poppins, and then Back to the Future and E.T. So there's your top ten. Oh, and listen, one other one. I'll come back to some more across the morning, but one thing you might be careful about in this crazy world of trying to find a home or apartment This might catch on because it's happened in Dublin. This guy went to view an apartment in Dublin. And when the letter, the renter, found out that he had two cats, he was told that the rent would have to increase by 75 euro a month for the two cats. Take up a lot of space, you see. The Neil Prenderville Show. Indeed. Lines are open at 1-850-104-106. You can text 0868-104-106. I have to keep telling myself, today is Tuesday. It's not Monday. It's Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. It's actually a very sad day, lads. And I'll tell you why. Very, very saddened to hear over the weekend. Um, it came as a right shock, I can tell you, of the death and the sudden passing uh, of Stephen the Wazzy Hogan from Harborview Road, in the city and he died over the weekend and Wazzy was on the air with us just a couple of weeks back because he wanted to plan um, a meet-up for his beloved Dockers in November and of course Wazzy was very much behind um, trying to get some piece of sculpture or sculpture or some commemorative plaque or perhaps both on the keys um, for the Dockers because there's no mark down there to say that they were there for hundreds of years and the work that they did with regards to commerce, commerce in and out uh, of Cork and, and you could fill a week's program um, programs on, on Dockers uh, on Leaside and he passed away at the weekend in fact he rang the show on Friday morning and was talking to Brenda I believe was it Brenda? Mark he was talking to Mark Mark had a great chat with him and he was in great spirits so it must have come as a huge shock to his family and friends over the weekend. And our thoughts are with all of his family and friends. But um, my my first conversation with the Wazi, Stephen Hogan, the Wazi, was back along um, when he we were chatting on the air about an episode of Quicksilver that was filmed in Cork years and years ago with Bonnie Carr when I was telling you the story that somebody was asked for uh, one of the questions for five pence or something or ten pence 
what's a female bee? And the answer, of course, was uh, a wazzy. That was Stephen Hogan. Uh, and he heard me chatting about that episode of Quicksilver on Side, and he called in. And here's just a few minutes of our very first conversation. Stephen, the wazzy Hogan. Stephen Hogan, good morning. Hiya, Neil. Good morning, Kibbert. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> you see, Neil, you see, it's so, the programme was so good, it got you laughing before I start. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I, I actually eventually, after all of these years, thought, thought that this might have just been a fable, a make upy but it actually did happen, no. right? It happened in 1979. Right. And firstly, tell us the backstory, what Quicksilver with Bunny Carr was all about. Well, it was um, it was a, a, a weekly show, and there was two shows on the one night. And they did it in Cork at one stage, was it? They did it in the Savoy Cinema. Right. Exactly the same, the Savoy. And there was about twenty of us went there, you know, in in, in a group. And uh, how we got in there in the first place was there was a friend of a friend of mine, or ours, I should say, his father worked for RTE, and we all got in there anyhow. And when you went when you went in, you were handed a ticket, and then there would be a kind of a raffle on stage, and whatever number comes up, that would be the person that is going on television. Right. So the number was called, and next the lad that I don't know, I don't, I don't think he'll mind me for mentioning his name, Michael Corkin, his father Paddy Corkin worked for RTE, and Michael's ticket came up. So he couldn't go up because that was the rule. Nobody from Marty or anyone connected with Marty could go up on stage. Right. And next, uh, the ticket went in. Went out. They went in. The other side gave me the ticket. For God's sake, so I got me searches in. <laughs> so we'll have a laugh off of this. And this is a quiz show that was based on... Wasn't there, wasn't there a saying in it, stop the lights? There was. Stop the lights. What happened was you had 25 lights. Right. Each light, each light was worth money. How much? And well, it ranged. I think it was like I can order twenty five or fifty lights or something like that. And according as the lights were coming down, there was five, five old pennies coming off. Right. We said a start. We said ten bob, and then you know uh, <laughs> you didn't win much then, then did you? But the thing about it, you know, so the longer you left, the lights would go off, and you. So the faster you answer no them. Well, look, what you have to do is this. this. You, you had three you had, um, three goes. If you didn't know a question, you said stop the light and the light would stop at that. <laughs> and then you come down and he says to me, who wrote this? I said stop the light. <laughs> oh, I didn't away. even get the question out. He never got the question out. So I stopped the light because I knew I wouldn't know because I don't read the books. And he, said, and he comes down and he comes down and next he says to me, he says, he says now he says, um, for this... This is how it all started. Says he for this question. Now he says, "What would you call a male bee?" <laughs> that was the question. And I thought to myself, "Well, I know when everything for the new and don't look catching bees." This was his favorite there. So he was he. The whole place was in an uproar. <laughs> and the lights started going I forgot the show stopped the lights <laughs> and I got down to the last one which was a shilling <laughs> one shilling up on the board was left and I turned around to the audience and I said will I gamble 
just gospel truth, oh and that's the way it went. But it was a show that was on. No, we the show that I was on, none of us won a penny. <laughs> was that the same show where he asked somebody what was Gandhi's first name and somebody said no. Goosey Goosey? No, 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 Neil. What, what's Hitler's first name? Hoyle. No, Neil. Um, there, was, there was none of these questions asked. Like a lot of people started making them up like Cork people do. Yeah. <laughs> like, like a fellas, a fellas is, you know, how many wheels do a prambulator have? <laughs> and I said, too. So you got to scoop her in there? All right, so there was no, there was no goosey goosey, there was no hoil, but there no, certainly was no, a wazzy. No. There <laughs> definitely was, there was ice in that. And what, what well, kind it, of reaction did you get after the show went out? It, uh, well, I tell you, <laughs> I tell you what actually happened. <laughs> the night that it was coming on, Everybody was looking forward to it, and I was saying, I was getting the, the doing off and everything, because I worked in the car docks for years, and I was getting, I, oh, I got it, I got it heavy, but I could take it, that's the one thing, and, like, <laughs> <laughs> there was a post and I got them for it, <laughs> and that's true. There was a power strike when that was supposed to come on. There was an ESP strike started, and I was blamed. Come here, because I your fault. I didn't know you were coming on television. You knocked out the power. <laughs> I knocked out the power, and this is going on. Like I said, from 1979, and still to this day. <laughs> <laughs> Did they call you, was he? <laughs> is that what they say? Yeah, people still say today. But they shout across the road at you. Stop the lights! Stop the lights! Here he is, here the wazzy. And you know my answer to them is? You know my answer is? <laughs> I'll go in and buzz off that bike. <laughs> oh my God, that's so funny. I'm absolutely heartbroken that I'll never speak with the wazzy again. Passed away at the weekend and a wonderful, wonderful guy. He gave us great laughs and fabulous nostalgic stories in the last couple of years. It's just it's just hard to comprehend that he's gone. Uh, what's a male be? Uh, yeah, some lovely... Some, actually, there's even a thread on the People's Republic of Cork to that episode because I was Googling and tipping away yesterday on it. There's a complete section to it in the People's Republic of Cork when they talk about Quicksilver and some of the wags on it were quick to point out that no money was won in Cork when Quicksilver uh, brought the game show, the quiz show, uh, down to Leaside. Uh, but certainly Stephen Wazzy Hogan gave us a lot of... A lot of laughs. It's very sad. Uh, and he was in great spirits uh, on Friday morning. It must have been very sudden. My deepest condolences to Stephen's family. Such a lovely man. Always smiling, always happy. And he had so many lovely memories to share with everyone he knew. So say all of us. Uh, I'm in shock. We were all mad about Stephen Hogan. A wonderful, wonderful gentleman. Uh, so sad to hear this. I will miss bumping into him in Dunn's with Chrissy, my deepest, sincerest condolences to you all, Chrissy, Stephen and all of the family, uh, thinking of you all. Rest in peace, Stevie. Condolences to your family. One of the nicest guys, a great friend. You'll be sadly missed, uh, R.I.P. Uh, Stevie. So sorry, my deepest condolences is another one. And many people saying, quite simply, very sad, Stevie was a great character, R.I.P. And just two more. So gutted to hear this. An absolute character and a gent. Condolences to Chrissy and Stephen and all of the family. And one final one. Very sad. A gentleman and a great character. May he rest in peace. 
there was um, there was a mass being planned the last time I had a conversation with him. I think it was a mass being planned in, if if I'm correct, I'm saying St. Peter and Paul's Church for the 5th of November at half past 11, a Docker's Mass and a few pints afterwards, I suppose. Um, I don't know where they're at now with that, but I'm, undoubtedly somebody will pick up the mantle. There must have been others involved in that besides the Wazi, and maybe if they get in touch with me, we can see if that's happening and helped him with it. But it's very, very sad to hear of his passing. Uh, also, can I just mention this, because I didn't get to do it at the back end of last week, and I had wanted to. The death of Father Gerard Galvin, um, who had um, very advanced cancer when I spoke to him on the air. We had a lovely, lovely chat about his life. You remember he put up the video uh, saying goodbye to his parishioners, very moving and I followed that up with a conversation and he was buried the, the week before last and I actually watched parts of the funeral online as you can from, from the church. I got a lovely email in um, from Emma Galvin um, and she's the niece of Father Jared Galvin and she says, I would like to extend my gratitude to you for shining a light on how incredible my uncle Jer was. <clears throat> After his funeral, I came home and I listened to his interview with you and I cried and I laughed and I thank you for doing that for our family. His funeral was beautiful, and in true Jared's style, it was a sermon that was probably a first of its kind with the Reverend Anne Scoos of the Church of England saying the gospel and the homily alongside the bishop. Can you imagine a female Protestant reverend stood alongside the bishop? It was really something special and something quite impactful and progressive, and Jared was all about Christian unity, and that was the theme of the funeral mass. Now, getting Anne up there was not the easiest thing to do. But as Jared said, if they don't let it happen, take me to the GAA Hall instead. Anne being, of course, the Church of England uh, reverend. They didn't have to take him to the GAA Hall. It was absolutely cool. Uh, I would encourage you people to watch her delivery of the homily on YouTube because it's outstanding. And it addressed the many things that Jar was vocal about, including clerical abuse, which was mentioned several times during the Mass. Whatever he did, uh, he did it with impact, and his funeral was a true example of that. I just wanted to email to thank you once again for giving time to our dear uncle. He was thrilled with his interview with you, and he certainly loved the limelight. With warm regards, Emma Galvin. And that's from... Um, Father Jared's niece, Emma Galvin, and our thoughts are with you and all the family. Back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now, 1850-104-106. Red FM. Of course, with all the jazz going on on Friday morning as well, it was a really, really busy morning. But while that was happening, of course, we had the court case of the 61-year-old man uh, who trapped two rats. I'm reading from Olivia Kelleher's copy in the Echo. He, uh, rap- he trapped two rats and released them into his workplace uh, because of some sort of alleged grievance with a member of his management team. He he was in Bandon District Court uh, last week and he, you know, he, he paid €3,000 in compensation, but he was uh, given six months jail because of it uh, and went through that case in detail. Uh, quite a big response to that, actually. And I read out some texts from people on air uh, on Friday morning. Here's another few that I didn't get to. Uh, I'm not saying what he did was right, but he obviously snapped. It has ruined his career and his good character. The poor man probably just had enough. I think jail time is too harsh. There are two sides to the story, Neil. Another one here, Richie says, I'm not defending the rat man of the county council, but how can a custodial sentence be attached to this case when a Lithuanian convicted of murder 
who battered his murder in his own country, who battered his wife for three hours and attempted to suffocate her, received a suspended sentence down west. Not to mention the number of suspended sentences handed down to those convicted of possessing paedophilic child pornography. Our criminal justice system is broken beyond repair, says Richie, a powerful text. Way too harsh a sentence. He would have gotten less for beating a spouse. Uh, and just two more. He got six months jail, question mark? That beggars belief. There are people committing much more serious crimes and they walk free. Uh, morning, says Anthony. The rat situation was a horrible thing to do and deserve punishment. But when you hear of serious assaults with previous convictions, getting fully suspended sentences sounds strange. Um, with previous convictions and this guy had nothing um, is there anybody at all that believes that the six month sentence was uh, justifiable reasonable and needed text 0868104106 let's see what Bonner has to say on the matter Liam Bonner good morning good morning Neil how are you well I went through the entire case on Friday so I'm sure you're quite across it and the damage mm. that the rats did and Renticula to come in and there was rat poo every morning for a few mornings the staff were yeah. petrified uh, it, it, the, the, the two rats ate through all of the cables and did untold damage to equipment what are your thoughts on the six months well I mean it, it sort of horses for courses in the reality I mean if that was you know, on the normal day to day, carry on. Uh, uh, like it, it was a very harsh sentence. I mean, it was a silly thing to him to do. He'd obviously snapped, um, you know, to get into his mindset. I don't know, but he'd obviously snapped and to do that. But on a normal, if you're if you're dishing out sentences, then be it be it appropriate along the way. When but you you can't go giving you know handing out a, a six month sentence to somebody like that for that crime, and you're leaving what you just mentioned. And I just listening to the emails, your 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 uh, your customers. I said again, your listeners, the um, you know, when you hear that Lithuanian man who who had previously been done for murder in his own country and got out, and then uh, you know, battered this battered this girl and gets away with a suspended sentence. Uh, there was more, you know, just to be accurate, there may I don't know whether there was any battering, but there was certainly suffocation. Uh, just just, yeah. just for the record, I mean, not that that makes it any easier. It's still a horrific thing to do and get a suspended sentence. But but then again, that will be different judges and different courts, right? But yeah, but see, that's the problem with our judicial system. It's an absolute mess. There's no, there's no, like, it's up to each judge in, in each case. And I mean, again, you heard a case recently there with a, with a young lad. It, it was, it's too horrific to go into on the air, but, you know, abused a child for, for over, over a three year period. And he was given a five year suspended sentence. The judge thought it wouldn't serve any good purpose for him to jail, it, to put him in jail. But, I mean, if you're, if, if you're not, it's so much of that. You know, you're hearing of older men who were, who, you know, committing these crimes for years and getting suspended sentence or, you know, you're getting 12 months and things like that. Well, drug, 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 and uh, drug possession, uh, drug trafficking sometimes results in suspended sentences. I mean, the list is endless with regards to the amount of suspended sentences. But just on one point, you say that he flipped. Judge James McNulty did not agree that he flipped uh, because that would be a spontaneous momentary lapse of behaviour. He had to plan it. He had to track the two rats. He had to find them. He had to catch them. He had to cage them. He had to bring them to work. At any one of those times, he could have changed his mind, and he didn't. Yeah, I, I agree. Look, it was it was certainly madness, and it was very much premeditated. I agree with you, but it's you know it, it's the the, the 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 time to fit the crime. And I mean, as you say, when you're leaving these other people off, this is the whole problem. It's not really about this case. This highlights the saying. other cases. Yeah, yeah. yeah you yeah. know, it, it highlights the other cases, and, and 
brings brings all these to the front, for, to the forefront when you're seeing people get away with these these crimes and getting suspended sentences and it's just ridiculous. I mean, I'd love sometime if a judge was brought onto your show or, or question a judge how they can pat themselves in the back at the end of the day on these sentencings. They're very quick to handle sentences. Some judges are just tougher than others. I think it's fair to say. What, sorry? I, I think it's fair to say that some judges are tougher than others. Oh, absolutely. But is there any, do they work off any particular guideline? I mean, you know, this is the, this is the whole thing that, that, that drives people nuts in this country. People getting away with suspended sentences for vicious crimes. Well, they would always, I imagine know? they would always refer to the statute and the law. And I believe that I read that the maximum sentence in this case could have been a two and a half thousand euro fine and 12 months in prison. So he got 12 months with six months suspended. Yeah, it's. Um, I still find it harsh. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a guy with a good enough record, you know. He was, you know, he wasn't he wasn't a regular visitor to the courts and so on, you know. Somebody could have got and wheels disease. They could have been paralysed, ended up in a wheelchair. You see. I uh, look, know. I know it's it's a lot of. It's things. the inconsistency it, it, it of all the other sentencing. That's what you're talking about. But it, it very much, yeah. It, it, it just brings it to the forefront. The, it, it, like you know, when you when he's got that, and you're seeing these other crimes, and you got to remember, Neil, the worst crime in humanity is to abuse a child as far as I'm concerned you know and, and, to get, and to get away with these and get away with suspended sentence it's just not good enough it's no deterrent for others out there to, to, to doing these crimes and this other guy did that battered his you know the battered his wife or whatever it was a case of vacation and to walk away to suspended oh, sentence but that was bizarre just, I mean nobody, yeah, nobody I mean, could come to terms with that it's yeah. crazy and, and people are just sick to death of it and it just shows every email that came in there you know, that, that this guy gets that jail time and there's others walking free and that's our problem well I would love to hear have a judge you have a judge on some time to, to answer all these questions. They need where, to, it would need to be, work? yeah, well, it would need to be a retired judge. But I, I'll take that under advisement and see if I can make that happen. Listen, thank you for that. It'd be interesting to talk to anybody who actually thought that the six months was deserved. And I'll come back to it if and when. Text 0868 Can I just ask you, well, I have the opportunity to talk to you. Mm-hmm. As a man who ran pubs and super pubs and live music venues for, for many years, were you at the jazz at the weekend? Well, you know what? I went in. I went in town with a couple of us. Went into um, into McCurtain Street on Friday evening, and um, it was a sort of strange one. I, I had a pint along McCurtain Street about say about half six, seven o'clock in the brew bar. It was lovely. They were getting set up for music, but then we had the Metropole was free. I went into the Metropole. Must have been about seven half seven. Um, you know, done the COVID checks and all that. That was fine. There was no big crowd in there, but it, there was nothing going on. There was a band. There was a band going on downstairs. They were quite dull. We walked up stairs to see the other bands. A you dull know, jazz would. band? How could jazz you have a dull band, jazz band? Yeah. And there was nothing, there was nobody playing at that time. I just maybe caught him at the wrong time. We then, the Shelburne was packed, didn't get in queuing. We had a quick pint in the Cork Arms, queued everywhere else. Um, and eventually we ended up in Abbotsdale House, the back of Coburg Street. Had a lovely couple of pints up there, lovely little bar. And just headed back up uh, locally up to um, up to Hedges and, uh, and St. Luke's Tavern, you know. So, so that's really because it was a bit manic. And I said, well, if this well, is the just queuing, the was, did, was the queuing deter you? Because I imagine the queuing, because they were checked concerts, wouldn't it have been? Yeah. But it was a lot of it was a lot of you know places you could look in. I mean, I stayed away completely from food places. You'd understand that. But um, just even bars, I looked into, and they didn't look full. But this was the COVID problem. You know, they've got people seated and separated, and and and, and so we just really it was a bit more hassle than what it was worth. I went out. Um, that was Friday. Saturday didn't do anything. Sunday again went up to Henchies and was a, we were about to go in town. So we met, we rang a friend. He said, "No, it's crazy." So we just stayed local. You know, so. Um, 
that's really all, all, all we've been doing. Really, it's it's so. I suppose you get as getting older, Neil. Just I know. Of dealing with the crowds. You know? And do you have any thought then on what the heck is going to happen regarding ticketing? We do know that nightclubs you'll have to book your slot at a nightclub and ticket in advance. But for la- for pubs that have live music or late pubs with live music, they're talking about people having to book ahead for those as well. Is is that possible? It's 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 very awkward. I mean, I, I like I say, I, I'm, I'm a long time old trade notice, I suppose. But you're talking to um, you'd have to talk to someone like Benny and see how it's uh, you know see if it's manageable. I don't really know. I mean, you know yourself. It's you're going into Crane Lane and places like that for late music. It's really and a lot of the time it's a last minute thing. You're out. Ah, yeah, let's have another point. We go to Crane Lane. There'll be a band on at twelve o'clock or something. You know. Yeah, it um, probably will mean that pubs and late bars won't have live music to avoid ticketing or having exactly. to people. Yeah, it, it, it's and this is the whole thing it's just it's really I mean we're into you know we're nearly into November no it's it's you know we're going to be Christmas will be upon us before we know it, it and, and you know it's going to be all that coming around again you know so it's very hard to control it I don't know um, you know and that's why you probably find a lot of the places are benefiting local bars more so than the city centre because I find you know I was lucky enough to be down in Kerry little mobile home in Kerry down in Glen Bay all summer and you know Kerry's very relaxed as well you know you yeah, know yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, and I've been lucky there and then the couple it's a few times Times only recently, but in the city, it's more drama than it's worth. You know. Okay, you glad to be? Are you glad to be out of the game? I am, Neil, yeah, absolutely. It's, um, I, I, I would have been driven demented trying to deal with all this for the past two years, you know. And it's, um, yeah, it's worked out good. Look, I run a company, don't do PPE, which works out very well. A company, COH Sales. We don't do that, no, and it's PPE and work gear and all that, you know. All right, my so man. It sort of went from one extreme to the other, and it okay. worked out very well. Look after yourself, as always. Thanks for listening. Stay in touch. That's Liam Bonner. We have uh, a horse, George Patterson, from the Roaring Forties, who was gigging all over the city uh, across the long weekend after the break. Talk to Neil Printerville now. 1851-04106. Red FM. As I say, uh, George from the Roaring Forties played live in studio for us on Friday and then headed off with the band to play all over. And he joins me by phone, um, getting up, up out of bed early. This was his morning lion. George, good morning. Good morning, how are you? I'm well. How's the voice? It's very good. I'm just, I was actually ringing to see if anybody found my vocal cords in the studio. <laughs> You need you need a Vicks lo- lozenge. You need a box of them. You need to gargle oh, yeah. it with salt and water. You need to do something. <laughs> I, do. I do. I do need to do something. I need to. I need to. Who? Who in there? Who? I mean, so many people do this. But can you imagine setting your whole career based on a tiny little muscle in your throat? <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I know, I can feel the effects of it. Um, so you played here, then you played Regina Mundi, then you played the Imperial, then you were down Emmett Place playing outdoors, yep. then you played the Toman Bar, then you played the Imperial, then you played Barry's. If I've forgotten some, please forgive me. The, the Oyster Bar is in there, yeah. Um, I, I, the thing is, we can't say no. I, it was, it was, and it's, um, it's, what's his name? Uh, the, uh, the um, singer... You also uh, played what? not just the Oyster Bar, you also played the Met. The Metropole, yeah, that was very good. Uh, that was very good. There was, I sent you a photograph, I think, showing about the distance that um, I got the photograph of Josie and Orla, and um, someone sent the photograph of them. And that's why we were playing. And there was a good, like, two metres between us and where the audience started. And it, um, it was a very safe weekend. The, uh, for us, it was. Um, Everybody was sat down. We were in the poor relation. We went into the poor relation, and like, there was no hustle bustle to get in. They just said that they took us in and they took us to the stage and they said, "Is this okay for you? You know, you get up here." 
and uh, and everybody and they were all sort of younger people. Um, they were all sat down, and they were and they were very um, all the way through it. And the, the, but with regards to the queuing, then were were, were the queues into all of those venues? I counted maybe nine or ten that you played. Yeah, there was queues. There was queues. Um, sometimes when it was raining, people wanted to get underneath the covers, uh, but otherwise they sort of spread themselves out a bit. People were very good. Uh, um, after after the gigs, uh, people that everybody wanted photographs, or I wanted photographs with people. Um, we uh, we did those like. Um, Really, sort of, uh, we we tried to be sensible with yeah, it. All, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And um, and then I think it was just a very successful weekend. It was fantastic. Was it? Was it a very different jazz then? In that sense, um, it was. Uh, so, for instance, in the Imperial Hotel, we were in you know the dip in the middle. Yeah. Um, we were we were based in there. So in front of us, we had five tables and about three to five people around each table. And so we were playing to those. But the mass of the audience were up on the right-hand side of us and the left-hand side of us. And they had a screen that they watched us on. And um, I, thought, I like I like to interact with the people. You know, it's not, it's not all about me. So I had these people in front and I couldn't really get up and go out and I couldn't like, give the mic to people to let them sing or anything. Correct. So it was very different. But at the same time, because it's back, then there was that excitement to it. You know? Okay, so in all of those um, venues, clearly Cork people came out and partied. But did people come from around the country or from overseas, do you know, to be yeah, part of the jazz? Yeah, there was, um, there was, there was uh, they came from up north, um, because like, like Derry, the, um, the Derry Jazz Festival didn't happen for two years. Uh, that would have been in April, so a lot of people came down from Derry. They came from... Um, Waterford, Wexford, Dublin, mm. uh, England. Mm. Um, there was a uh, people, of course, because of my accent. Like people, uh, the English people are always talking to me, yeah. saying, "Like, did you fly with us? Did you see on the plane?" Sort of thing. <laughs> I've been living here thirty years, kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and was it weird to be playing before live crowds again? Uh, weird. Weird. No, no. It was. It was nice. It was nice. And the, the thing is, remembering the words. It's like the, we're all there, we're all there. And then the lads as well, they're going, they're sitting there. It's like you hear this sort of like rumble of music starting and then you see that they, they play the first couple of notes that they've remembered and then bang, it's just there. It's just like... that's called. I believe memory. that's called muscle memory. It has nothing to do with your brain, I'm told, is it? No. It's, it's just your fingers memory. just know what to do. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. All right. Okay. Um, well, listen... Everything went hunky dory. It did rain though, so that didn't dampen people's spirits, no. Uh, it, no, it didn't. I, I did make a mistake. Uh, I left the car at home, and uh, and I had to walk back in that rain, and uh, and I got drenched, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I just got drenched, and I was just like, uh, I'm just like a wet sock. Any particular <laughs> highlight of all the places you played? The highlight. I suppose the last one. Uh, Barry's in Douglas. Uh, you were going to go to Barry's. Uh, you didn't get back on time, pal. It's the first year in many, many years that I missed it, but it was like nearly half seven quarters away when I got back from, from Kerry. My apologies for that. I know I missed I had, a good I one. Had, I had Groinia with us. Groinia, um How did that go? How did she, how yeah, did she sound? Yeah, she sang a couple of songs. She sang a couple of songs. Um, she did Proud Mary and she did um, Fever or Misbehaving. And would you rate her? I mean, will you call her back? I must get her on the air, actually, and see how it went for her. We'll, we'll chat with her later this morning, hopefully. But were you happy with her? Uh, yeah, yeah, she was good. Yeah, she was good. I mean, like, that, that's what she wanted to do, you know. Um, 
she has a voice there, um, and um, you know, uh, with uh, with practice, she, she could be a very good singer. Fantastic. Well, she had it there, and then we had uh, this other girl came up who really annoyed me because, like, um, everybody was asking her to sing her, and now I'm <laughs> You need to mind your patch, pal. I do. I <laughs> well, you don't want it to end up as being Groinia in the Roaring Forties. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking of going like um, like James Bond. You know, <laughs> like the next reincarnation of uh, the Roaring Forties is going to be a woman. <laughs> bring it on! Bring it on! Yeah. Listen, thanks for touching base. I know this morning should have been a bit of a sleep in, but mind that voice, all right? I will. Thank you for having us on, Neil. Cheers, my man. Uh, we've been uh, playing every Friday on yours for the last, I don't know, 17 or 18 years. Wow. And, uh, and it's a real privilege. Uh, and uh, um, we really love doing it. And thank you for having Not us on. Not at all. Let's drive it on for many more. Talk soon. Take care. So. Lovely. Hey, we'll do. Thank George you. Patterson from George and the Roaring Forties. You can text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 1850104106. Particularly if you want to share your own jazz, long jazz weekend stories. Text 0868104106. It'd be good to chat with Grania at some stage. See if that was on our bucket list. She wanted to play with the jazz band. We made it happen. And the Roaring Forties made it happen too. She'll also play with the Barrick Street Band as well in the not too distant future. Meanwhile, just regarding jail sentencing for the man who got six months for releasing the two rats. Regarding the jail sentence, I'm not defending the man. His actions were diabolical and he needs to be held accountable. But it's a shame that the judge would hand down a custodial sentence. Each day we hear of criminals with 10 plus convictions being left off with suspended sentences. This man, on the other hand, one, admitted guilt early, two, worked for 23 years in the organisation, and three, brought money to pay for damages. I do not know the stats, but I would like to know how often judges provided suspended sentences to criminals with X amount of convictions, including the judge in this case. This is just another case where our justice system picks on the individuals who may have made one really bad decision for whatever reason, yet we continue to allow seasoned criminals carry on in our society and we reward their bad behaviour. Thank you for that text. How do we reward them? I guess you're saying with suspended sentences. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Just briefly on the point of, of say, music or events or decades, different decades. I was telling you last week of uh, research that was out. It was uh, a survey that was done on the most... Um, you know, the best musical decade. And they were saying back last week that the 1980s were the most innovative period of pop culture. Now, pop is a thing that is, you know, something that's been around in various different forms and fashions for maybe 50 years now, maybe even 60. So they were saying last week it was the 1980s. But now there's a survey out that The Sun did recently uh, over the, the past couple of weeks. And they say the 60s was the best musical decade. And they're saying things like, how could you compare the Beatles, the Rolling Stones and the Supremes to David Bowie or Duran Duran or Wham, you know, comparing decade with decade. But actually, I was thinking a lot about this. Uh, it doesn't really matter because your decade is the one that's, you know, based on your partying, your socializing, your most formative years, your memories when they were made. For some, it's going to be the 70s. So therefore, that musical decade's the most important one. And the best of will have been the 80s. Some will say the 60s. So actually, I think a lot of this research is kind of pointless because we all have our decades, decades of music. They were the most formative years in our lives. 
and music forms part of it. But it's interesting to say they're saying this morning, uh, the 60s. And again, it depends on the age group that you survey, I suppose. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Talking uh, on Friday about, um, you know, companies that no longer want you to do anything except to call them or go online and deal with them in an online environment. It doesn't suit everybody. I was telling you about the 70 minutes on hold uh, with permanent TSB before I eventually lost the will to live and gave up. A lot of texts on that. And I will come back to them this morning. But I did see some research out at the weekend from the CXI report. It's published annually and it looks at uh, customer service in Ireland. Um, And it may come as no surprise to people that Air uh, was the worst company for customer service during COVID. In fact, I think they used the word appalling when they were describing Air. But the others that do quite badly, um, Air, Ryanair, Facebook, the Department of Social Welfare... Irish Water, Sky and Virgin Media. I think the Passport Office is in there in the top 10 as well. But those are the ones that feature worst. Uh, They go through it in quite some detail. Maybe we'll come back to it a little later on uh, this morning with regards to the ones that did quite well. But they were the ones that did uh, worst. And a lot of it has to do with their online offering and their you know, customer service when you need and only can contact them uh, on their website or indeed they give you a phone number that they don't answer or they put you on hold for 70 minutes and you lose the will to live. Uh, so that's interesting. And there's one other one then because uh, you look at, Jer this morning uh, that um, Facebook, in spite of everything that we know of Facebook uh, and not putting, um, you know, their users' safety first, that was revealed by the whistleblower, particularly young people. Facebook made 9 billion euro in the last three months. Um, is it safe to say that they make 9 billion euro every three months then? Profit? 9 billion. I mean, who needs that much money? I mean, it's unreal, isn't it? 9 billion. And tech companies continue to thrive. Uh, there's a list of the top 20 most valuable tech brands for last year uh, published the weekend. And while I won't go uh, through the top 20, you can be damn sure that much of the platforms that you use are in the top 10. Apple is the number one most valuable tech brand. Microsoft is number two. Google is three. And in the top 10, you have your Facebooks and your Instagrams uh, and your, you know, LinkedIn uh, and others like that. But they're all there. And we're talking about many, many hundreds of billions of euro profit um, every single year, maybe even trillions at this stage. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Just, just briefly on a lighter note, George mentioned the fact that uh, Gronje gigged with the Roaring Forties uh, over the weekend, and that was on our bucket list some months ago. Um, that she wanted to sing with the jazz band and with the brass band. So, if the jazz band sorted, brass band will be next. But a quick call from Gronje. Gronje, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? A lifelong dream of yours achieved oh at the my weekend. God. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. I was just saying to Brenda a minute ago, I was choked with a cold all weekend and I was hoping it would be gone yeah. because my child likes to bring home gifts from preschool, you know, that you never asked for, but got anyway. <laughs> the child that um, keeps on giving. Oh, <laughs> uh, they're just a gift that keeps on giving. Like, they're just like petri dishes between the months of August or October and April, I swear. But um, the result was, I saw it was, I mean... What an experience. It was absolutely fantastic. George and the band are just outstanding. Okay, because so- he, 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 he told me on Friday, because I asked him about you, and I said, have you done yeah. any practice? He said, no, I don't like to do practice. 
Yeah. <laughs> no, we like to vibe it, you know. <laughs> so where? So you rocked up. Where was it? Yes, we went to Barry's yesterday in Douglas. I'd been hoping to get into the Thomond and we'd, I'd been hoping my mum could mind the lads, but she lives in Waterford and she's having some treatment um, medical stuff at the oh, moment okay. and we forgot we forgot that she was in the middle of one of her three treatments yeah. around that same week. Yeah. So we had to just kind of change plans at the last minute. All right, so it was Douglas. yesterday afternoon in Barry's. Yeah. Must have been a great yeah. feeling walking past the queue and saying to the door staff, I'm with, <laughs> I'm with the band. I'm with, I'm with the band. I, I, even a couple of my friends who came in they were like um, we're with the singer we're with the band <laughs> so what'd you do Proud Mary was it? yeah we did Ain't Misbehaving and Proud Mary so it was brilliant I really know as I say I, I think I probably could have sounded better if I hadn't been absolutely choked like and I was trying to drink like hot liquids and everything to try and see would it loosen it out but no it was ice you so, were happy uh, with yeah, it, though. No, it, overall, though, Jesus, I wouldn't change it. It was brilliant. Oh, you didn't forget the words or sing no, out of time. No, I had one little key. kind of a... I had one sort of a blank where I went to start a misbehaving and I was like, oh, crap, <laughs> I can't remember the first line. But then it came to me. Like, you know what George is saying? It just comes to you and then it all just flows. <laughs> so it was grand. <laughs> No, honestly, he says, you know, jump, the parachute will open. Oh, I swear you're grand, and there's, there's always a reserve. There's a sack there behind you, he can play a bit, it's grand. All right, so where are we at with, where are we at with the brass band? Um, I think where we're at now is we're hoping, it's kind of aiming for something with Christmas in mind, and they're kind of resetting their rehearsals and stuff at the moment, because as you know, they were caught with outdoor rehearsals because they couldn't be inside. The barricade. But now I think, yeah, but now I think because they can be back inside and stuff, it'll, we'll get something sorted there, you know, in the next little while. It's all going well. Damn it, I, I missed, I would, have had, I would have looked for somebody to record you and video you yesterday. Uh, Barry. There is one, George took a video. Oh my God, get that to me, AS. AP, will you? Did. George recorded it in fairness and then he told me he was going home. <laughs> <laughs> he's just, no, he's watching his patch, you see. He doesn't want to turn that's into Grania in the exactly. Roaring Forties. <laughs> that's it, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it's a G. I mean, you know what I mean? Maybe we could kind of interchange. <laughs> oh, you're going to be G and G in the Roaring Forties. GG in the Roaring Forties. The Maybe there's an opening there. I don't know. Dream on, but, baby. Uh, no. Anyway, They're listen. They're incredible. They're Delighted. absolutely incredible. Delighted. And I really just, even just to see them was an experience, not to mind be part of it you, you know part of the gig well done okay yeah. so round two will be the Barricka and we shall round chat then the get me absolutely. that video will you so I can share it absolutely I'll say to George there could he bang it on to Brenda maybe alright thanks Grania. delighted Brilliant. for you thanks Cheers. Neil this is the Neil Prenderville show tweet the show at Neil Red FM 104 to 106 Red FM Paul Morrissey how are you Hi Neil, how's it going? I'm good. Not there's, too bad now. Uh, listen, there's a lot of water gone under the bridge uh, since we spoke last over almost around about Halloween last year, wasn't it? Last year was, yeah, yeah, almost 12 months ago. Um, you yeah, had lost talking about the huge amounts yeah, of weight. Um, huge amounts, six, about six and a half at the time, aiming to lose, I think it was seven, and I almost got there. I didn't get to the actual goal. I think it was two kgs off it at the end, but... Um, still pretty proud of get, getting that amount of weight down. Absolutely, come here. Um, absolutely, nearly half your body weight. I mean, you were a, you were an XXXL mm-hmm. size, and now you're an yeah. M. And now you're an M. I'd say. Um, yeah, no, constant M now since uh, since I lost all the weight. Yeah, and it stayed that way. Thank God. And and uh, you were happy as Larry, as the fellow says. And now you were saying mm-hmm. that you the challenge now is trying to keep the weight on. 
what happened, Paul, in the last year? Yeah. Um, so in the last year, and I suppose the last couple of months, um, I was diagnosed in August with um, pancreatic cancer. And now I'm currently going through chemo for that. And in the first cycle of that chemo, actually, I, I lost almost six kgs. And I met the dietitian on my second cycle of chemo and she mentioned to me, Paul, you can't lose that amount of weight again, you know, because I think with the chemo, it's it's measured on height versus weight. So the dosage then would have to change and stuff. So um, so I've done well. Um, I weighed myself there now recently and I'm kind of maintaining. So I haven't lost any this time around, thank God. Do you mind me um, asking, so what are you weighing to, in at yeah. now in KG? In so I'm about, about, uh, I'm about 90 to 88. So I'm roughly r- around that range. Um, so I need to kind of keep it at that now. Um, so I added a couple of extra things into my diet there recently. How did you pick up the symptoms originally? Was it was it uh, was the stomach cramps? Were you were you yeah. weighed a christening or something? Yeah. I yeah. So I in July. So before even the christening in July, middle of July, I was starting to get some stomach cramps uh, in my stomach and up in the upper right area. And look, there was there's family history of gallstones in my family. You know, my dad had his gallbladder removed a number of years ago. His sister before that, and his brother very recently. Um, so I was kind of thinking, you know, especially into the second week, because the stomach cramps were still there, maybe the third week in July. And I was saying, right, this is not going away. I go to the doctor and I went to the doctor. She did a couple of tests and she said, yeah, look, potentially is gallstones. She said, we're going to put you down for an ultrasound. She said it could take about three to four weeks because of the waiting with the ransomware and COVID and all that. She yeah, said, you were right in the middle of the hack yeah, and COVID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, and so. But you got into the matter, didn't you? Yeah, you got into the matter. I did, and, and, that, and that was that was where the christening came in because I went to my godson's christening in the August bank holiday weekend, and I had a couple of drinks, and I, I don't, I haven't drank much now during COVID, you know, because obviously there wasn't opportunities to no, go out and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I had a few pints and a couple of other drinks, um, and the following evening when I got back to Cork. I really had severe stomach pains. It was like my stomach was after cramping up big time and it was bloated. And I was saying, Jesus, I said, this, this, this must be the gallstones. I said, uh, I definitely need to get the gallbladder out. I went to the matter private. I got an appointment for, I think it was one o'clock on Tuesday. Uh, and by quarter past five, uh, after doing an ultrasound, an MRI scan, and they asked to do a follow-up CT scan, I knew when the doctor came in, the A&E doctor came in with the nurse and he told me I had a number of tumours, some in my pancreas, some in my liver, and they were going to admit me overnight. So that's how I found out. I found out within four hours, really, of being in there. Well, you had to, well um, yeah, but you then had to wait for a biopsy to see if they were yeah, mal- exactly, malignant yeah, or malign. Yeah. Yeah. Turned out they were malignant. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, oh. so I was kept overnight. And on the Wednesday, um, he was explaining a couple of things to me, showing me where the tumours were in my liver. And he said, look, we'll go to a board of oncologists to look at the treatment. And I just knew with the organs that were there, and I, I wouldn't be one for Googling, but I did on the Tuesday night, just briefly Google liver, pancreas, cancer. And I saw three, three and a half years, and I, I went off it straight away. But look wow, well, you saw a survival rate of three, three and a half years. Yeah, yeah. Did, you get, a, did, did I, you get a fright I, when you read that? Uh, I actually didn't, Neil, and this is where my positivity always kicks in because I always try to look for the positives. And what I actually did say, I, was, I remember sitting down in the seat looking out the window and I goes, geez, you know what, Paul, there's a lot you can do in three and a half years. And that's what I was thinking, you know, I was trying to think of positive ways to deal with But how old are you, this. Paul, do you mind me asking? I'm um, 43. And you were saying that at um, 43, you was, there was a lot you could do in three and a half years. 
That is, yeah, that that's, is and that's the way I was looking at. That is positive. Yeah, and but then our doctor came in on Wednesday lunchtime, and so he came in with a nurse, and I always knew when they came in with a nurse because with COVID now you don't have your family around you and, and stuff like that. So I kind of knew, you know, that you know the story similar, and so he said, sit down. And in fairness to him, he was upfront. He was very, very straightforward. He said, Paul, you've you've got pancreatic cancer. Um, we're going to be putting you on palliative treatment. And I knew when I heard that word palliative treatment, I knew straight away. And I asked him, I said, that's not good. I said, I asked him straight out. I said, how long? And he said, look, we're looking at a couple of months here. And I said, whoa. And I was thinking in my head, I was saying, geez, last night I was thinking I could do a lot in three and a half years. I said, what am I going to do in a couple of weeks? And um, Did you you misread him? Did you misunderstand him? No, I I, kind of knew what he was after saying. But then in fairness, when he cut in, he said, look, Paul, we need to do a biopsy because we have to be, obviously we have to be 100% sure. He said, everything I'm looking at and everything I've read on your charts and et cetera, et cetera, is telling me you've a very aggressive cancer. Um, but he said there is a slim chance that it could be the slower growing cancer, which is called noradrenaline. And he said, that's why we need to do a biopsy because we need to be 100% sure on what we're dealing with. Okay. So he said, look, I don't see people of your age. He said, I see people of 60 and 70 years of age with this. And he said, look, you've got a lot going for you. He said, you're young, you're healthy, you know, you're fit and you're, you seem to be very positive. He said, so there are a lot of good things going for you. And he said, look, we'll really look after you. Um, so yeah, so I got set up and I did the biopsy that Friday, but that biopsy then came back the following week inconclusive. So doctor, he, I was handed over to him and he basically told me, uh, he said, look, we need to do a second biopsy. And that month was tough. That couple of weeks, you know, waiting and, and trying to see what it is. Um, when you, when you, when you were waiting for those weeks, you were waiting with the knowledge mm-hmm. that you've been given that you had yeah. a few months to live. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. No, you didn't mishear yeah, exactly. him. Like he wasn't saying that the treatment no. would take a few months. He was saying you had a few months to live. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. And um, and that was did you tell your tough did times. you tell your family friends? Did you share that? Yes, oh, I did. Yeah, I, I remember ringing my mother on the Tuesday. I, I told my mother obviously straight away. You know, I kept her pretty informed. And when the doctor, the any doctor, left, it was probably the hardest moment because obviously you, you know anybody that gets a cancer diagnosis, you know, they're they're pretty shocked. It's a shocking thing to get. And, and there's a lot of fear and anxiety around it. Um, you know, so I was trying to process it and I was trying to get the car because I didn't know how I was going to say it to my mother and I didn't want to break down on the phone. Um, but I was really emotional. So I did ring her and tell her what was going on. But, you know, something else happened in that period of time, Neil. I, there was a lady next door with her daughter. And obviously, if she's listening into this, she know who she is. Um so she obviously heard the doctors tell me what was going on and she obviously heard the conversation I had with my mother afterwards. And as she was leaving, as I was waiting to go upstairs to, a, to whatever room they were bringing me to, um, she came in and she said, look, I hope you don't mind me giving you this. And she gave me a miraculous medal. Lovely. And I just said, I, I smiled at her and I thanked her very much. I didn't know who she was. Um, and I said, thanks very much. I really appreciate it. And I just want to wish you all the best, she goes. And, why? and I, the minute she left... Yeah. Go on. Yeah. And the minute she left, I just looked at it and I, I said to myself, do you know what, Paul, you're going to be all right here. I just took that as a sign straight away that I'm going to be looked after. Um, so, yeah, it, you know, it was tough, but I, I, I got through those weeks. Did they confirm an aggressive scale cancer? No, so it sounded very optimistic at the start. You know, he set us down, my mom and dad were there with me, and he said, look, he said, you have us baffled. 
And I was, I was saying, Jesus, what, what's, what's after going on here? So he said, like, obviously all your charts and scans have told us there's something really bad going on. But he said, we did loads of blood tests and we did a specific blood test for pancreatic cancer. And he said, all those came back negative. So he said, that's why your biopsy results were so important. He said, obviously, the first one was inconclusive. It was a lot of dead tissue that was taken out, so we couldn't grow anything. And he said, with your second biopsy, we had to give it a couple of more days because he said, you wouldn't be thanking me with the treatment I'm going to put you on now if we got it wrong. Hmm. So he said, we really, really had to get this. So he said, basically, you have noradrenaline. And, and I knew straight away that's what the other doctor, doctor had told me. If it, He said, if it is that cancer, he said, look, it's a lot more optimistic and it's a different ball game altogether. And, yeah. and I was delighted then. I was saying, Jesus, am I after dodging a bullet here? And he explained then that um, Tommy Gorman had this cancer and he did a documentary on it. He's lived, he's lived with it for about 20 years. Mm. So he, he was explaining that to me, the RT presenter, and uh, I was listening. And then obviously that word came in there eventually, unfortunately. So he was explaining the uh, scale of aggressiveness of this cancer. And he said Tommy Gorman's was at 2 to 10%. And then he said, look, unfortunately, in your case, you're at 80%. Um, so then and I this is on okay, these um, are the these are aggressive cancerous tumors on your liver. Yeah, so mm. I, I think I think he explained I had about eight chestnut like um, tumors on my liver, and again there was unfortunate that they were spread out all over it. It wasn't just in one area that they might be able to do surgery okay. on one side or okay. or the other side. So so he said, look, uh, he said chemo is the first step. He said that has to happen, and he said it's going to happen this week. So I did start the chemo then on the Friday. And he was very optimistic about that. You know, he he really, he said, look, uh, he said, he literally said, I can guarantee you the chemo will work. Um, but how effective long-term with the aggressiveness of your cancer and how we're going to manage it is going to be the difficult part. And, but, you know, but I mean, I know I go back to this um, and you were told that you had two to three months to live and that what mm-hmm. was being offered to you was palliative care, which is to keep you comfable mm-hmm. until death, isn't it? So I think palliative care and palliative treatment are diff- two different oh, but types. Please, of- ex- please explain it to me then, because yeah. I don't know. I, I, I assume palliative care is when you're coming to end of life. Yeah. And palliative treatment is then to extend as long as possible. Um, but like, once I knew what I was dealing with, which was uh, noradrenaline, and it's NET for short, um, eventually there in the last couple of weeks, I joined an NET support group uh, on social media. And um, they've been really, really good. And and what I did was I just put in a brief description of what my diagnosis was and the organs that I had. So the primary was the pancreas and the spread to the liver. And on the following day, I got a message from a guy in Dublin. He sent me a message. Paul, I was reading your note and he said, Geez, you know, I totally identified with everything that you've gone through because I said I was given a very short uh, six to 12 weeks, he said originally. Um, and then we figured out it was the NET cancer, and um, and he said, "Look, I'm still here 36 months later." And he's, you know, and so he's in good, he's in good shape with good quality of life. 36. Yeah, and and he's and he's and he's and he's managing it. So you know, so that gave me a, a, an energy boost straight away with your know, reading stuff like that. But like I was always going to take it you know, from my own perspective anyway. It was always going to be from a positive. You know, uh, yeah, that's the way I am. That's yeah, my mindset. you wanted an opportunity to fight, and that's what you've been given. And you, you, you've never exactly, been, yeah. you've never been kind of oh, whoa, poor pity from me kind of thing about it. You haven't. You never. I mean, you, no, did you ever get once, angry? Did you ever never, get? Did you ever say why no. me? No. 
No, none of those. And and look, but don't get me wrong, Neil. Look, we all go when you get and, and people obviously that have gone through cancer that might be listening to this today, you know, will have all gone through different experiences and and, and different emotions. And I, I'm not perfect in any way. Like I've had my emotions, you know, I've had moments where I have broken down and cried. And I always think that that's a good thing to be able to do that and express it. Um, and they, they, they haven't been, they've been few and far between, but there have been like, there was one moment uh, I had there a few weeks ago and I've shared it with, so I, I'm still seeing the psychologist I saw for the weight. Um, so I was sharing with her and one or two of my friends, uh, um, my parents were living from my, um, so I was in the town park and at the top of the park, there's a nice bench there and it was a lovely Saturday morning. I was going for my walk and I, I sat down and I was listening to music. Like I see um, all the kids playing with their dads and our moms in the, the playground. And there was this old couple just going for a walk and, and the lady was on a Zimmer frame, but they were smiling and they were enjoying themselves. And thank God I had the sunglasses on because I was just watching this and I said, where am I now in that spectrum of life? You know, am I going to get to their age or am I not? You know, and I started thinking that way and I, I got very emotional about it. Um, so you get those moments and it's, yeah. it's important to say that because, you know, not everybody, you know, you're all, everybody's going to go through different emotions with different news and, 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 and it's okay to be not okay at times, you know. And so, how are your family um, taking, how are your family taking the news? You referenced uh, your, your yeah, mom, for instance. They're, yeah, yeah they're, 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 they're being amazing, you know, I, I suppose, you know, with illnesses like this, like cancer, it definitely, you always hear, you know, really unites people together, unites families and friends. And and I, I, I've been so, so blessed and lucky, you know, my mom and dad, my dad's a chef by trade. So he's been cooking all these really good meals for me, homemade soups and everything. And I think that's his way of, you know, giving back and, and supporting, you know, that he's able to be there and do those things. Mm. And he collects me after every chemo treatment. You know, even though I could make my own breakfast, she always, she's always there in the morning. She'll have it ready for me. You know, what would you like today? And, mm. you know, stuff like that. So they're, they're very supportive. And, and, and look, they're getting through it. And I suppose they, they question it as well. Like you have questioned it. You know, should I have got that diagnosis at the very no, start? No, I mean, I, don't, I, hope, I, haven't over, I hope I haven't overly dwelled on it. It just, it, it shook yeah, me. It no, shook no, me. No, that no, part no, of your no, conversation um, shook yeah, me. Yeah, and, 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 and look, um, some people can get frustrated with that, but I just always try and look for the positive side of it. To be to be honest, and um, you know, um, so yeah, my friends are amazing. You know, I've, I have a great support network. My work colleagues have been amazing. You know, yeah. they did up a, a video montage for me there recently. You know, and sent it on, and and it's stuff like that that really kind of spurs you on in the, the low moments. You know, so like things like that just really really help. And, yeah. and, and when you need it, it gives you that psychological boost, that yeah. emotional boost, and you know something to some extent losing all of that weight you know eight months getting fit and toning up all mm. that would have helped now i know you probably were thinking after you lost all of that weight it was to improve the rest of your life so don't stop thinking like that yeah. keep thinking that way oh no yeah oh 100 100 and i like i i did say it you know i and my mother said it to me and i i said it myself i said thank god i lost that weight yeah yeah. Because I said, I don't think if I was carrying that 100 and whatever it was close, 130 kgs, I was 129, I think, at one stage, or I was over 20 stone. I said, if I was carrying that and having to go through biopsies and get a lot surgeries now. down the yeah. line. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I just wouldn't be able to cope with it, you know. So thank God I did, you know, and and, and I do. I, I look at it that way, you know. I'm I'm blessed. I, I say I have great friends. One of my mates, you know, is a big Liverpool fan as well. He's a season ticket holder. He's already after sorting me out with tickets for the Atletico Madrid match in a couple of weeks. So mm. I'll be just a week after my third cycle. So myself and my best mate are going over for three days uh, over to Liverpool. Do you find the yeah. chemo difficult? 
I I've been lucky. I, honestly, I think I've been lucky because I've I've a great friend of mine, Danny, and he's been very supportive to me. And he's gone through cancer, you know, and he was given actually, and his story really helped me because he was told by his doctors eight years ago, there's nothing more they could do for me, the very rare blood uh, cancer. And he wouldn't accept it. I remember him telling the story. He said, we went home. He said, my family were very upset downstairs. He said, I went upstairs straight away. I went on Googling all the consultants I could Google in the UK and other places that were dealing with this cancer and see if anybody could help me. And he found a guy in the UK in London and uh, he's still around eight years later. You know, they, they found treatments and... And he just so so like I would be able to bounce off him with certain things, but no, I've been very lucky with the side effects. Thank God. And you do know, you look I at life differently energy, now? I have, yeah, no, a hundred percent. I, I, I like we look at life, you know, and I, I've looked at life, you know, and there's, I've obviously ambitions in life like everybody else has, you know, and, and I want to obviously improve my career and maybe go into different career options. And, you know, and I've, I've loads of, while I don't have any kids, you know, I have um, nieces and nephews. I'm godfather to two. I'm godfather to three. I have my um, GH, she's 21 and I have two um, uh, that are not even in one years of age yet. You know, so recently I was godfather to two, one of my other brother's children yeah. and my best mate's child. Yeah. You know, so I have a lot of things to look forward to. So like time, while you can take it for granted when you're in a good place and you're healthy, but when you get start getting news like that, you know, like what I've gotten, you know, time becomes very important. And so I don't stress the small things. And now I normally don't anyway, but now I have a different perspective on the small things. Like sometimes you call it the pebble in the shoe. You know, I just don't you know there's why should i waste my time on something like that you know or stress about something like that you know so you get a different perspective on life certainly and uh, time does become precious and and that's why i'm going to enjoy all the moments i have and what i do as well is i set little milestones so like my, my first milestone and this was even before i knew the full diagnosis so when i was in the month uh before i got the diagnosis of the slow growing cancer i said right um my one of my mates, Eamon, is out in Lebanon with the the army at the moment and he's due back in November. And I said, Well, I'm definitely gonna be here and I I've been talking to him on the phone. I said, No, we'll definitely meet up when you get back and you know, and my one of my godsons, his birthday is in January, he's gonna be one, I'm gonna be there for that. Mm. You know, my goddaughter's twenty one next July, you know, I'm gonna be there for that. So setting these kind of milestones where I definitely, you know, focusing and a day at a time going through absolutely. the treatments, etc. Yeah, absolutely well I, I think know, a day, a day I, I, at a time, to, easy for me to say, but yeah. A day at a time, you know, no. and to deal with it. I mean, it, you are fighting the good fight. It's your fight now. You got good mm. people around you, um, and you just need oh, to be a bit. You just need to be more aggressive than the cancer itself. You know. Hey, oh, and I even said it. Um, I said the, the cancer picked the wrong body to go into um, because they, they, don't, they don't know what it's going to be hit. You know, and and that's the way I'm looking at it. You know, um, I I'm going to give it 110. percent I I said, look, I'm not going to leave any stone unturned. You know, I said the one thing I wouldn't accept from the doctors was there's nothing we can do to you. That was the one thing I would not accept um, when I got the diagnosis. I said, look, I I'm not going to accept that. I said that I want to fight and I want an opportunity and I have that now. So like once I have that opportunity, as you said earlier, it's up to me now, you know, and how I approach it and how I deal with it. I think you must have amazing strength to be able to stay that positive. You know, well and, done for that. Oh, it, 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 and it, again, for me, Neil, it goes back to, and like, I'm not ashamed to say I go to see a psychologist, you know, I went to see Dr. Mary Boyle and she's been brilliant, you know, and I think like, it's like if you're learning how to drive a car, you go to a driving instructor and they show you and teach you how to drive a car. 
You know, there's no shame in going to a psychologist or a counsellor or whatever it is to learn about life and to learn how to deal with your emotions and, and, and so you can be a better person going forward. Okay. And that's what I've done. And all that has kind of helped me for this situation now. And because she, she said it to me, she said, the last time I went to the way, she said, Paul, you always seem to have to go to the emotional edge of the cliff before you start taking action. And I learned from those experiences. And when I went back to her, I texted her on the Wednesday when I got the diagnosis. I said, look, Mary, um, would you be able to fit me in? And she's been brilliant. And she was able to get fit me in the following week. So I went to her straight away and, and we talked it out. And, and, and she said, and then I think it was on the second session because some of my friends were, I met up with my friends on the Saturday after getting the first diagnosis. And we all met up together and it was a great evening. But a, a few more kind of thinking, geez, he's so positive. Is he still in shock and stuff? And I was kind of questioning myself, but I knew I was a very positive person. That was the two to three month diagnosis you're referring to, is it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I I knew I was, so I said it to her. I said, Mary, I said, you know, I might, maybe I am in shock. I said to her because, uh, you know, and she said, no, you're not Paul. She said, I've been listening for the last 30 minutes before you asked me this question. And she says, you're just in a different place in your life. You know, you're a lot more positive. You're a lot more able to deal with the emotions around this than you were, you know, maybe even a, a year ago when I met you first, you know, or two years ago when I when you started the weight journey. Um, but, you know, and hopefully if people are out there, you know, and are getting cancer diagnosis and whatever, it's just, you know, try to be positive. I know it's really, really difficult, and especially if there's children involved. But, you know, it's the support. It's the being positive. Yeah. It's being, yeah. you know, looking for a positive outlook. We get you through those challenges. Well, you know, it seems as if that you're tooled up with all the right positivity anyway. And I know that people can also um, just follow along on your on your Instagram where you're where you're sharing the journey. But it, it would be lovely if you yeah. would stay in touch with us as well, because everybody would be rooting for you and want to send positivity to you. So it would be good to hear back yeah. again from time to time from you, you know. Well, yeah, no, definitely for sure. For okay. sure. Um, you know, I, I've one more um, chemo cycle after this week. Now I have four cycles. Then there's going to be a review to see where it's at. You know, I assume that's going to be some scans and and whatnot um like six is the max i can do anyway um so he said we review after four see where we're at and then he said there could be opportunities down the line to maybe do a surgery where they can burn away the blood supply to the, the tumors if they're really small and they'll just die away so there, there's options there well, listen know, man if, if if you can get all that done and buys you time let's say 50 years mm-hmm. of time what do you think <laughs> I, I, and that's one of my goals as well you know I'm not too far off 50 and you know um, like I was accepting three and a half you know I think 50 and I thought is better. I could do a lot in three and a half yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah. I think 50 is better yeah. but look whatever time I get Neil you know I'm going to appreciate it you know no, I don't mean I, I don't mean live year, till 50 I, I don't mean live till 50 oh, yeah. I mean live to 94 you picked me up wrong <laughs> 50 years oh sorry and, yeah I know and definitely yeah. and um, you know I even said it to my mother because there's a lady back home as well that's going through breast cancer and she had it, and then it came back 30 years later she's in her 80s now and she's fighting like hell and she's you know it's slowed down now to a period where she's good and I, I just said to my mother, I said, you know what? I said, if this goes away and it came back in my late 70s or 80s, Deal I wouldn't Deal with care. it. Deal with it then. And yeah. God knows what they can do when you're in your 70s with medicine, the way it's changing. <laughs> You'll live to 150 <laughs> exactly, by then. Exactly. No, man, this is a, exactly, this exactly. Is a fight you got to fight now, every day, every hour of yeah. every minute. And I want to wish you the yeah, best of exactly. luck with it. And stay in touch, Paul. Thanks right? very much. Yeah, I will. Appreciate it, Neil. Okay, Thanks very much. Take care. Bye-bye. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter. 
at Neil Red FM. And you can text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 1850. Uh, 104, 106. Um, just some text actually from the last few days. Uh, left secondary school, this is to do with bullying in school. This all stemmed from an original email on this with the teacher apparently called the child evil. Uh, I left secondary school almost 24 years ago. I was in Leaving Cert and left at the end of September and emigrated to London. Why? Well, it came down to one teacher who taught me maths. I absolutely dreaded her maths class and for almost two years I dosed in every single one of her classes. I would attend school for every other subject, but not maths. She knew I was in school for other subjects, and the odd day when I showed up for her class, her smart-arse attitude was nice of you to show up, kind of carry on. Not once did she pull me aside and ask me why I wasn't showing up for her class. I struggled at maths, you see, and she saw that. At the end, it was easier to avoid her rather than asking her to explain or to help me with a subject I found difficult. She intimidated me, made me feel uncomfortable, and at the end, I left school. I do have a learning disability called dyspraxia. That dragon still teaches to this day. And some other ones then on different topics. I just wanted to vent a bit about another epic fail from our government. All teenage Halloween discos have been cancelled because kids are not vaccinated. Government wouldn't allow antigen testing, you see. So many disappointed kids across the country. Why are our children yet again being further punished? Haven't they been through enough It's ridiculous. They all go on buses together. They're in school together. They go to all their sports together, but they can't, but can't have a dance together. Uh, They can go to dance classes without testing. Where's the difference? I'm fuming. Can't come on air, which is a good thing because if I started, it wouldn't be pretty. It begs the question as to why they don't introduce antigen testing at this stage and adapt the COVID app to accept some sort of way of incorporating an antigen test. So that that would also feature on a COVID cert or a QR code. Then the many, many people who are frightened or unsure or don't want to be vaccinated, they may be unwell and don't want to take it, could go and get an antigen test, could get it at home, could be provided with free kits. They'd take their antigen test, they'd upload the result of it onto the app, and then they could go wherever they want. In actual fact, a person who's unvaccinated, who takes an antigen test, is safer than anybody with a vaccine. Uh, and then you'd have nobody. And then you just have maybe whatever few were left who didn't have a COVID cert for vaccination, who didn't have an antigen test. Maybe they just don't want to go out at all. Don't want to mix, mix it all. And they're entitled not to if they don't want to. But it would allow everybody who is unsure, unsafe or unwell, who doesn't want to get a vaccine but wants to go out, to be incorporated into the COVID app with an antigen test. And you could do, I mean, it's just a little bit up your nose. Not a big deal, I think, to be quite honest with you. But I'm quite sure that that would work, wouldn't it? It would solve our problem. I mean, maybe I'm oversimplifying it. Anyway, your thoughts on that text 0868104106. Let's see if we can solve yet another problem. I love a bit of problem of solving on this program. We have a very high success rate on it. So, Suzanne O'Flynn, step up to the mic. Good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? And you, like many others, are wondering why it's impossible to get a tradesperson The reason is, I suppose, they're so busy, they're just picking and choosing the jobs they want to do and don't want the Michael Mouse ones. Do you know what I mean? That's what it sounds like. And look, Nair, I can't blame them half the time because, you know, with the COVID and everything, everyone went through so much. Um, Obviously, they have to claw back whatever they might have lost out on as well. But again, um, kids are suffering because of all of this. Yeah, Um, yeah. Michael I'm also McKinney. hearing. I'm also hearing that some of them, and I'm only saying some of them, are quoting outlandish prices, hoping one of two things: that people will just go away, 
or they'll be stupid enough to pay the outlandish price. This is what I'm told exactly, anyway. Exactly, exactly. They're basically the, the two options there, exactly, okay. as you said, Neil. Um, it's crazy, but again, look, as I said already, I know people, you know, have been out of work and whatever, and they're trying to claw back as much as they can. Okay, but now I hear an awful lot of good things about you. I'm told that you're forever fundraising. You're forever doing charitable work. You really give back to the community. In fairness, to you so hats off for that. Now you have permission of that. You have permission of the principal, I think, of St. Luke's School in um, in Mayfield. St. Killian's special- Killian Killian School. It's, course, it's Luke's yeah, School, St. Killian's. Yeah, yeah. It's it's my son Luke goes to St. Killian's yeah. School. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So of course we have a St. St. Killian's School. It's it's based up in Mayfield, formerly of Bishopstown. Um, and of course, we have no services, you know, for our children up there. Mm. Um, the pandemic really has played absolute havoc with the kids. Special needs um, kids? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Special needs kids, mixture of disabilities. Um, my own son is autistic, so, you know, he's up there obviously for his autism, but there's, there's a different mixture of ability or disabilities in the school, you know. Oh, what do they need? Um, I tell you now, Neil, we are, the principal up there, um, Sue Linehan, she's absolutely phenomenal. The woman goes beyond and above for the kids of that school. She will do anything and everything she can um, to get what they need because we don't have any services, we don't have any teams, we have nothing like that. So we are looking to put in um, a hot tub. A hot tub, I'll be darned. A hot tub I love that. For the kids. Yeah, we're looking to put in a hot tub and we're looking to put in a big ball pond. There are two of the things, but the hot tub would be um it would be it would be absolutely excellent for the kids up there. I, I bought one myself two years ago. I was fortunate enough that I was able to get it and I was in the position to get it. And it's is it therapeutic for through. kids with special needs? Absolutely. Absolutely. My son my son, without that my son wouldn't have got through the pandemic the way we did. Really? Yes, absolutely. What's the, what's you know, the he's, attraction? He's, Is it the hot water, the well, bubbles? It, it's the hot water, it's the bubbles, it's the, the whole uh, thing with water. I mean, if I had my way, I'd put a big swimming pool in there, but obviously that's not going to happen. But, <laughs> and have you um, got the hot tub? No, we haven't got that either yet. But what I'm looking for is somebody to come in. I have a 10 foot by 10 foot area that I need covered so that we can put the hot tub under there. Okay. What's it going down on? Concrete, slabs, grass? It's what? concrete, but we have uh, we have um, some of the artificial grass, so that's going to be going down under it, obviously. But it's if it's going down on concrete, the hot tub doesn't need anything. It needs a cover. We need a cover, like, to keep the kids warm if it's raining. Do you understand what I'm saying? Uh, like a pergola yeah. style. Uh, thing, right. You know? Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Not too fancy. Just hence something hence the need for the carpenter, right? Exactly. And you exactly. can't go, and you're trying everywhere. Well, I had it up on Facebook, and it was shared over uh, about 200 and odd times, and nobody has come back to me. Have you tried the different sites that will, you know, findmytradesman.com and stuff? Uh, there's a Cork one called tradeworks.ie. Where they'll... I haven't tried that one specifically, Neil, but I've had put the feelers out to a couple of people, obviously, because, you know, doing hundreds of years, there's yeah. a lot of people knows me, and... They're just either too busy or they just can't take it on board or, you know, I just, I just, I'm finding it impossible at the moment um, yeah. to get, 
get this thing done. It's, it's you know. So is there much work involved? I mean, let's get you a carpenter. Is it's a per, what do you call? It's like a like an awning. It's a pergola, pergola. It's a style thing, yeah. Basically, to, to cover the kids that if it is raining, that they can still go into it. Is that a wooden like frame with a tarp, tarp or something? Is it or what? Exactly, like you know, you can get the wood. Like you can get uh, the wood up the beams. Like I only built one in my own backyard with my own son's hat up this summer, and I, I done it on a budget. Like it wasn't huge, you know what I mean. Um, we just had the um, perspex over the roof over it, and I have the wooden beams up the side. To, okay, so we're looking uh, at wooden. We're looking at wooden structure with the perspex perspex roof. Yes. And have you, okay, we need a carpenter, a couple of carpenters to come to your aid on that. It's not as if it's a charity you're paying. We, we can do, it'd be great if somebody done it for nothing, but we, we would be happy to, no wonder, to do that. No wonder you're an ace fundraiser, girl. We'd be happy if they did it for nothing. <laughs> well, you know, if you don't ask, you won't receive You're dead me, right. Like, so you know, you have to ask these things. I firmly believe on tapping Corconian's charity all of the time, or at least their charitableness and their generosity. Let's see if we can get a couple of a compartment or two to do it, Bukshi, and give back to the community. You'd never know. They may pick up the phone. You never know, exactly. So we need There's 72 children up there. There's 72 children going to benefit from it, no matter what way you look at it, at some stage over the next, you know, a while. Um, It's something that can be up all year round for them. Um, if we have to come be. to the aid of the children because we don't have services, that's another whole issue. We we are we're going to do what we can do. Isn't that always the way, though? Isn't it always Isn't it down it? to the community, the parents, the families, the fundraising, the GoFundMe's, the stuff like that? Okay, one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. If you were a carpenter, if I were a carpenter and you were a lady, if I were a carpenter, I'd do it for you, but I'm not. So let's Thank find you. one to put up the wooden structure and the perspex roof uh, in uh, St. Killian's Special Needs School in Mayfield. But where are you going to get the hot tub? Um, well, we've, we've, we've done um, a non-uniform day in the school to try and bring in some funds and we are hoping to do a little walk with the children in the areas to try and bring in some more funds. Um, we're just going to keep going, you know me, I'll just keep going. I'm going to keep going, I'm going to fundraise until I get what, what they need. Um, at this rate, Neil, I'm just going to keep going and put a few things out of the hat. And Have you put a budget aside for it? Um, going off what I did, well, I know like the hot tub that we need is about five hundred euro, uh, because I priced them online, and I know Douglas Forestry have them. A hot tub uh, we, for how much? Five hundred euro for the hot tub. It must be tiny, is it? It'll only hold four. You is know, it but, plastic like, you know, or is it inflatable or what is it? Well, if it's going like the lazy spa is what they are, so it's something that I have similar. There is um, an attachment to it that you just plug in, and it just keeps it inflated and it keeps it going and it keeps oh, the it's water an inflatable running. Inflatable you know? one, okay. Yes, yeah, yes, they won't yes. last long though. They do, they do. If you take care of them properly, they do. You know, once you know exactly what you're doing, and you have all the chemical balance right in it, etc., etc., for the water. It'll be fine, you know. I mean, they're not going to be in there. Like, you wouldn't be able to bring in any toys or anything like that into it because you could puncture it. Yeah, you know? but okay. But this is literally, if it, if it means taking down the stress in a child for even 10 minutes a day, then so but be it. But wouldn't it be a great thing if you could get the real McCoy, which would be a six or an eight-seater, and with kids maybe even 10? Um, oh, which be is, amazing. 
No, I'm we just thinking... Have, it would be amazing, but we wouldn't have the funds to pull that off. Uh, well, I mean, they're 12 to 15 grand new, but you can get a reconditioned one, which would be absolutely perfect. There'd be nothing wrong with it. It would be serviced and everything. And you get one of those for change out of three and a half grand. Looks like I'll have to just do a lot more fundraising, Neil. You could be onto something there now. I have a couple of buddies, actually, who are in the hot tub business, right? One of them is retired from it, but has some very good contacts. I'm just thinking if maybe we could get a reconditioned hot tub for three, three and a half, possibly four grand. um, And we could do a little bit of fundraising on air. I mean, I'd throw 500 euro into the pot straight away anyway. Oh, thanks a million. Not a bother. I'd do that for you myself. Not a bother. And then we'd see if we could get some more people to come on board and get it up to three or three and a half grand if we had... I make a couple of calls at, at midday to see if there's any reconditioned ones, uh, and you'd oh, never I'd know. I really appreciate that. As would the seventy-two children up there. As would Miss Lenehan, the principal. It would that would be absolutely. Well, I tell you what. I tell you what. I will do. Amazing. If none of that works, I'd pay for the inflatable one for you anyway. Okay. Ah, uh, Neil, thanks a million. You're very good. I really appreciate that. Not at all. That. Not at all. You are right. Uh, children need our help. They need our assistance, and it makes a difference in their life. They do. They've had they've had a hell of an eighteen months. Like to be fair, you know, and, okay. and you can see it ricocheted. You know, when they're back at school, they're including my own son. My own son won't leave the house. Okay. You okay. Know? So listen, that that's um, that's done. I've actually got I actually got a text already from one of my pals here who's who's spent a long time buying and selling in important hot tubs, and he says, "I bet you'll rope me in." So. <laughs> <laughs> I rope him in if it's easier. Let him, Kevin, just do a bit of research for me, pal, if you're listening, as to what might be available reconditioned. And we'll see what kind of price is involved. And then maybe other people might like to throw a few bob into it. And we'll get them the real McCoy and ideally find the carpenter to put up the structure and the perspex roof. But if none of that happens, we'll sort out yeah. the um, the inflatable one, all right? I appreciate that, Neil, so much. Thank Not at all. So okay, so that. hopefully I'll talk to you again in the next day or two. Okay, Neil, thanks a million. All right, Suzanne, cheers. Okay. All right, take care. If anybody wants to get on board and help with that, please do so. Text 0868104106. I think it would be nice to get it across the line. It's a wonderful school. They've got about 70 kids up there, all with special needs, and they need our help and our assistance. And uh, it would be great to maybe see if we could get others involved in that as well. Anyway, back after the break, text 0868104106. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national, and international sport every weekend on the Big Red Bench. That's the Big Red Bench, every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prindeville now. 1850 Red FM. Okay, chatting there with Suzanne, who's looking for a carpenter to put up the uh, wooden structures, the wooden poles or beams to cover a hot tub and then a perspex roof. Uh, if needs be and needs paying for, it can be done. But I'm wondering if there are any tradespeople out there who might like to come on board and get it done uh, for the kids up in the St. Killian's Special School in Mayfield because they're having no luck with regards to a carpenter. So have a think about it, guys. Uh, and if there is a carpenter who would like to get on board and do it, be very appreciative of it. Uh, text 0868104106. But some very, very good news, I have to say. Very positive news from Douglas Forest and Garden.ie. I've dealt with them in the past. They've helped me in the past. We've done some giveaways with them. And their business is thriving. Greg, good morning. Good morning, how are you? I'm well, and just had a quick look flashing up on my screens there a couple of times, uh, some different hot tubs that you actually retail. Tell, tell me about what you have in mind. What, what do you have? 
Um, basically, we do the, the lazy spa hot tubs. Um, for Since COVID hit, they've been exceptionally um, popular, extremely popular, very, very difficult to get. And actually, as it turns out, just last week, our container arrived three months late, mind you. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about so, it. Everyone's troubling, uh, so, <laughs> having problems with containers from China and all places like uh, that. Unbelievable. So it finally arrived last Friday morning. And I just got a call from uh, John Neville from Neville Jewelers. They said, Greg, you're up. I just heard the radio. Um, so I rang. Um, I would be delighted to, to um, sponsor a hot tub for them. Absolutely you'd you'd sponsor the hot tub for them? You'd give oh, it yeah, to absolutely. them? Absolutely, of course. Oh, wow. Yeah, no problem. I hear her in oh, the background saying, oh, wow. Suzanne? Oh, my God, that's amazing. Yeah. Absolutely. No problem. We'd be glad to help. So much. Glad to help? That's a lot more than yeah. helping. Yeah, that's, that's unbelievable. Oh, my goodness. Thanks very much. Oh my god! No, and actually, I'll drop it. I'll, I'll drop it up any day you want. Okay, and oh, that's fantastic. that's the hot tub that comes with a cover, clearly, because you have to cover them to keep them heated, don't you? Uh, yeah, yeah, when you're not using it, of course. Um, yeah, you cover it. Um, yeah, you can use it uh, with these now as well. You can use them all year round outdoors because there's a free shield in it that if the temperature drops, um, even if it's um, if your hot tub is off, it'll actually raise the temperature of the water to stop it from freezing. So it's, um, yeah, they're very good, very very popular. And how many how many kids would you think would be able to have an old frolic? Um, well, they can go up to five or six, seven. You squeeze them all in <laughs> <laughs> at home. I won't do it. I remember at home in, in our own one, uh, Danny and uh, my daughter. Jeez, there must have been five or six or seven of them inside in the one night. <laughs> they're a good crack. Oh, good fantastic! Crack. So that's a handy oh, amount, amazing. then, isn't it? Six or seven, Suzanne. At any that's one time, absolutely amazing. I, I, I have no words. I yeah, so no look, words. what you do is, is ring me, and we'll go through and we'll find the right one for you. Okay. Ah, right, uh, come here. That's unbelievable, Greg. That's thanks unbelievably kind. Glad to help. Glad to help. Yeah, help. Sponsoring and giving a hot tub to a special needs school is a lot more than help. It's life changing. Yes, I know. absolutely. Well, absolutely. Got to give back. Man, I'm blown absolutely. away. I think that's incredible. All we need now is to get a is to get a carpenter to put a. Put a top over it. Yes, that would be that would be fantastic. I I'm laughing. I came out looking for a carpenter, but I got my octo. Well, here was I thinking about getting reconditioned things or whatever. You're getting something that's brand new out of the box. Yeah, uh, I, I, there, I, I, I have no words. Thanks a million. I can't thank no, you. Um, it's, it's Greg, you're no me. good with a hammer and nails and a two by four. Uh, no, I, would, I wouldn't even know how to drive a hammer. <laughs> <laughs> you, you and me both all thumbs <laughs> uh, lads come on even I can use a hammer now <laughs> well uh, off you go off you go out to uh, Cork Builders Provider so and get stuck in alright well listen we need to get a carpenter to do the structure to keep them dry when they're in it we have the hot tub we have the cover comes with pump yeah, plug so in the whole lot there's plenty of good carpenters up in Mayfield and sure somebody will help out. Ah, that's fantastic. That's so kind that's of amazing. you. That's amazing. That's brilliant. Yeah. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for that. Yeah. Okay. Not a problem. Buzz me and we'll, we'll sort you out. All right. No. And, and, for, right, th- and for those that are looking for a hot tub of whatever size, you just got a container load in. Move quickly if you're looking for one. Uh, yes, because they will sell out again. Okay. Further details online yeah. at douglasforestandgardens.ie. You're waiting on other containers, I suppose, also somewhere out there, are you? Uh, yeah, there's another one arriving in two weeks' time. Um, but then after that, I cannot get them again till next April or May. And a lot of people but, lost a lot of sales over the summer because delays oh, in yeah. container shipping. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it's 
uh, I, I presume there's people now listening to this and I've been emailing them from, since the, the container was supposed to be in at the end of July and it kept getting knocked back and knocked back and knocked back and knocked back. It's just, it, it's crazy. It's very frustrating. All right, very, well, hang in there. Hang in there. And in spite of the fact that you have many people looking for one, you've given one generously to St. Killian's Special Needs School. Well done, Greg. Fair play to no you. No problem. Glad Thanks to help. So okay, yeah. Suzanne, that's mind-blowing. Take your bread away stuff there. I'm delighted for you. Absolutely, Neil. Absolutely. And again, sure, look, the mere nothing surprises me with Cork people, no. you know. Brilliant. It's, it's absolutely, it goes beyond. That's but it's why so I important. do anyway, you yeah. know. No, it's so important. Yeah, it's so important and it makes all the difference to these young people's lives. So it's like absolutely. six, seven in, six, seven out. Six, seven in, yeah, six, look, seven oh, out. We'll we, we have the whole school in there over a, a couple of hours <laughs> the day period to be fantastic well will you please go and share the news with them then I will of course and thanks so I'm much again for all your help cheers for now still need thanks to get your me. carpenter though let's see how we get on with that cheers Suzanne carpenters please get in touch text 0868104106 and there was a lot of people who were in a position who wanted to help John Marr the councillor wanted to give 250 euro from his ward fund uh, another one here Neil send that girl my husband's uh, send that girl my husband's number Steve is his name uh, and then she sends me her husband's number he's a carpenter Thank you so much for that. Uh, oh my God, well done. Is, but isn't it awful that children have to beg for what should be supplied by money that's wasted by this government? Come here. Tell me about it. That's always the way it's been. Fundraising and volunteering. I have an idea for the roof of the hot tub. Pass on my numbers to that woman. So possibly another carpenter. I can see the benefits of a hot tub in a school like that, Neil, but I must tell you that you have to cover them properly at night to prevent rats from entering the water and peeing in it. Thank you, Billy. You're dead right there. But hot tubs have to be covered anyway because you have to maintain the heat in the water. If you don't have a hot tub cover on and you're trying to, and, and you got it plugged in, you are literally burning energy. So you have to cover it to keep the heat in so the thermostat would work. An uncovered th- um, hot tub is absolutely useless. But that's great news. Somebody else was wondering, when I, I would like to, just asking as to when you say that you would like to donate, is it you or is it Red FM? I, I don't know. I, mean, I don't think it's somebody being nosy or anything, but just to answer your question, me, and not Red FM. If, if I wanted to get involved, I get involved myself. But there may not be a need now if that's sorted and we, we may be able to just look to help other people instead. But anyway, that's where we're at with this. But I'm still desperate to get my hands on a carpenter. So let's, um, let's get that sorted. Get the cover over it and it'll be a job well done. Uh, line four, uh, Dave Hunter. Dave, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are Please you? Please tell me now you're a carpenter. I am. <laughs> Please tell me that you might be available to help. I will. <laughs> Well done, nice one. Okay, do you know anything about pergolas or kind of wooden structures? I, with the per- I do, we've done a lot of those. Is there much involved in it? No, there's not. If it's only a 10 by 10, it's, it's very straightforward. Okay, you'd knock it out in a couple of days or a few hours? Forgive me for not knowing, I'm just wondering. Is there day, much- maybe a day, day and a half, you'd knock it out. In. And do you think you might be able to free up a bit of time for the children? We can Oh my God, I'm going to put you in touch with Suzanne. I don't know what you need with regards to materials, but we can hopefully work all of that out, right? Yeah, that's no problem. I mean, I'm quite prepared to do it for, for nothing. I'll do it as a, as a donation. Ah, you're incredible. Dave Hunter, thank you so much. The last no half hour has been, the last half hour has been fantastic for those kids. Fantastic. Life changing. What do you do, Dave, when you're not building pergolas over hot tubs? Uh, we do a lot of stove installations. I actually did a stove, it was actually on your program a couple of years ago for Pat and Susan in, in Black Rock when they got robbed. 
that's, that's coming back to me. That's ringing bells. So you're forever helping people out, in fairness to you. So I actually, we got, we got the, we did the stove and the fireplace for them that time. Well done. Listen, thank you so much for doing that as well as this. Just on that point, they don't even build houses with fireplaces anymore. It's a shame, isn't it? It is. What's the deal there? Is it all to do with climate warming and things like that? All all to do with climate warming and that stoves are stoves and open fires are so meant to be so inefficient according to some people. And with the new with the new heating and all the regulations with insulation and all that, people just they're, they're not putting them into houses anymore. I know. And what are they sticking on the wall? Are they fake ones or coal effect they're or gas? They stick um, electric, electric or bio bioethanol fuel stuff like that on them. And I also heard because. I was thinking of doing that at home. We have a big old fireplace, but because it's got a big lintel and it's kind of designed, you can't fit a fire into it, you know, because they have to be totally sealed or something, is it? Well, you can. You can, you can do... You can, you, you can retrofit them to, to, to suit any situation. But I thought it involved ripping out half the fireplace, the inset and things, no? Well, you'd only... Normally, you'd be ripping out. You'd take out the fire back. You'd clean out the chamber and you'd fit the stove if it's an inset it will be fitted into the into the chamber itself and then insulated and sealed up properly. Wow, that sounds like a plan because the old gas fire is like 90% of it's gone up the chimney, isn't it? Yeah, it it's is. Like just total way. It looks good, but it doesn't give off any yeah. heat. That's it, that's it. <laughs> All right, so if people want to retrofit or change their fireplace... You're the man to talk to Pro Stove Installations and Building. Are you on Facebook, Instagram? Where are I you? Am. I'm on Facebook. Okay. Listen, I'm delighted that you picked up the phone. Thank you for your generosity. No problem at all. And I will get you to hook up with Suzanne and we can make all this happen ASAP, yeah. all right? That's great. No problem at all. Thanks so much, Dave. No problem. Thank you very much. Cheers. Take care of yourself. That's Take Dave care. Hunter. And I always encourage people to give back. And as he gives of his time and his generosity, if you're in the market for anything to do with a stove or anything to do with, uh, you know, gas of fire, coal effect fire, whatever the case may be, new modern tech that you can put into fireplaces and so on, stick it on the wall, get in touch with Dave Hunter, Pro Stove Installations and Buildings. You can find him on Facebook and also on Instagram. And again, he comes with very, very high endorsements. Talk to Neil Printerville now. 1851-04106. Red FM. And you can text 0868104106. That's exactly what Declan Lynch did from Oliver Lynch Cladding. They will supply any of the materials that are needed for the roof to go over the hot tub. That is great news. Thank you, Declan Hurley from Oliver Lynch Cladding. Everything is coming together nicely. We'll pass on your details as well uh, to Suzanne O'Flynn. And I'm quite sure that they'll be very, very happy with the news at St. Killian's Special School in Mayfield because they were having no luck, they were fundraising and now there's no need to do any of that. So well done to you. Super stuff. Lines open at one 106 You can text 0868-104-106 and we'll move on. Um, actually, I mentioned earlier on this morning the passing of the Wazi. And very sad news when we heard of Steve Hogan's passing over the weekend. Uh, Mark Willington of this parish was talking to him on Friday morning and he was in great form and he was on the air with me about 10 days ago and he was hale and hearty and passed away over uh, the weekend. And many, many people are saddened with the news. Uh, Terrific guy, great sense of humour and a dynamo full of energy. And then at some stage, the energy just left him. Uh, Mary standing by, so is Noah. But William Corcoran, good morning, William. Good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? What, uh, what sad, sad news. Passed away in his sleep, sleep, I believe, did he? Oh, well, I'm 
totally shocked and before we go any further I want to pass on the sympathy of the Remembrance Cork doctors to Chrissy and, and the family because we, we had meetings during the pandemic about this project in Stephen's house and we only met him last week and, 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 and I'm totally shocked when Frank rang me on, on Saturday morning and told me about it you know, uh, he was passionate, passionate about this uh, project that we were up. We have something running there, trying to remember the Cork Dockers, you know, because with all the work that's going on in the docks at the moment, uh, you know, we see that Stephen felt that he was passing us by, and yeah. no one remembered all that. Yeah, and he was so right. The hundreds and hundreds yeah. of families, generations yeah. of them, working yeah. down father to son. Yes. And he, I mean, he had been engaging with city council, yes. uh, and yes. wasn't really yes. getting that. No. Yeah. yeah, he was. He was a bundle of energy. Neil. A bundle of energy, and and I don't know how we're going to replace him. I really don't, because uh, he was spoke to you on our behalf many a time, yeah. and um, he was been on to uh, TDs, and, and you know, once you get on to him at all, he will never want you giving his number. Forget about it, because he would come into for the rest of your life. And you know, the plan was to get to the, oh. some of the businesses and the developers yeah. and the John Cleary's, right. who was a very generous yeah, guy, yeah. Yeah. to come on board yeah. and contribute towards yeah. some kind of a sculpture or a plaque and yeah, sculpture. That's right. And, and it could passionate about this name. Yeah. Passionate. You're passionate. Yeah. And yeah. W- were you, so yeah. you were talking to him recently, were you? Was he unwell? Yeah, we were in Tottenham last week because we had a meeting because we had, a, we have arranged our first mass for remembering Cork Dockers on the 5th of, um, of November in St. Peter and Paul's. And we were speaking because we were waiting for a meeting with Father Pat to arrange it, you know, because this has never been done before. No one has ever had anything to remember Cork Dockers. So now we, 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 we have a mass up and going and we were arranging stuff uh, for the mass. And Steve came up with the idea of putting two books down at the end of the church for people to put their names on it and, and the names of their loved one who had passed because there were so many names, you know, but... He was full of all these ideas, you know. He won't banners, be there. Banners and, and getting photographs and embossed onto the banners and stuff. Oh, he was, uh, I don't know. Honestly, Neil, I don't know how we're going to do without him. And that mass, Remembering Cork Dockers, Friday yes. the 5th of November, that will go ahead at St. Peter and Paul's, won't it? Oh, it will, yeah, without a doubt, because we're meeting Father Pat next week, and that's at 11, 11 30. No, it's, it's more poignant now, because... Because of Stephen's passing, and, 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 and to be truthful, I mean, we, we're at a loss to kind of do, to, to, you know, because he had so many connections. As Wasn't well. he, was he, he was he, did he sing in a choir? Was he a choral singer? Yeah, he was, yeah, he was, he was, he, oh, he was a master of the arts, I'm telling you. Was his party uh, piece, If I Were a Rich Man, or something? If I Were a Rich Man. Everything, everything, and he do the dances all over the Greek and all that, you know, and, and fiddle on the roof, and he played a part in Dockers recently. That he did, that so. I'm on the stage. I saw him with all the other yes, Dockers. Yes, yes. And, and, and the another thing about him, he was one of these guys, no matter what came out, what bad happened, Stephen was first. You remember when the roller derbies, when the roller derbies came out years ago with, with the roller blades? Yeah, yeah. Well, on that day that year, Steve came flying down Party Street on a pair of roller blades. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was gassed. Did you work with you. him alongside him on oh, the docks, yes, Willie? Yes, yes. We, I was in the same gang as him. We were in the same gang and we were badged around the same time. Was that know? coal? Was, was that grain? Was the chocolate crumb? Everything, everything, everything. Uh, bananas? Milk powder, butter, meat, everything. No matter what you, whatever it was, bananas. 
we yeah, but he was a great boy to eat the bananas of course like, but yeah it was it, yeah I, I, probably I, I, fed I, half I, the north side with bananas I say <laughs> chocolate oh, crumb he's a legend he's a legend gone Neil a legend gone and, and I tell you like I hope to God that we can get this up and running because it will be in his memory now as well now hang in there if you want I got Noel as well who was a docker with yeah, I think yeah, Noel yeah, started yeah. on the docks oh, at yeah. 13 is that right Noel? That's correct, Neil. Come on, John. Okay, and you knew the Wazzy all your life? I knew he was a great character. I mean, as uh, Willem just said, you know, he's going to be a he's going to be a sad miss. Like, there's another legend gone. Like, so it's probably sad this morning to come on to actually come on to actually to come on here. You know, there would be a week wouldn't go by that he wouldn't ring us. It all started with the story of what's the male be the Wazzy on Quicksilver. You all remember that. Oh, so he was a great, he was a mighty character for that, like, you know what I mean? Like, he was, a, he was, he was, he was, he was a great singer as well, you know what I mean? Like, he was but, a great old chanter, like. Yeah, was he unwell? No, there was nothing wrong that we knew of or anything, no? No? It was just so sudden, it was a shock, I tell you, it was a shock to everyone, it was a big shock. And to know? his wife, Chrissy, and all of the extended family, our thoughts are with them at this time, of course. Thirteen oh, you were when you started on the docks, is it all? I, I tell you no, Neil, I used to have uh, an awful lot of trouble in school where in uh, the younger days in the father the that time uh, when he left the Innisfallen that time he was he he actually became the foreman, he was actually the main foreman in the key. And uh, I had nowhere else to go really and it was always the docks for me. I actually learned to drive down them all that crack like and the docks like was part of my life, all my life, you know what I mean? Like were you a big fella, thirteen or a small slip? Oh, of I was, I was, I was kind of, I was big, like I was big, like you'd have to be, I'd wouldn't stand you? Out, I, I kind of stand out, like inside five hundred men. You know what I mean? Like I'd stand out, like <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but school just wasn't for you, like it's not for everyone. It wasn't for me, Neil. Not it wasn't for me. And like, do you know make I mean? a good living, a good life down on the docks? I used to have mighty cracks there, do you know what I mean? Like, unnatural memories of, of Tivoli and all that, do you know what I mean? Like, oh, I know. Was it the Tivoli side you were on, so not the other side? Good to be mostly in Tivoli that I, uh, I was stranded, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, because with both sides, we forget that both sides were going. We think of Anderson's Key and areas like that. But of course, just both sides were rocking back. Organs Key. Organs Key. Sorry. That's right, that's right. Well, I walked up there as well in banana boats and everything, you know what I mean? Like, did you work alongside the Wazzy? I walked, I did, I did, I did. I tell an O'Neill, I have a great story about him there. It was 1983. And as a matter of fact, I was on Twitter there. It was only last week. I was laughing. I was laughing. You have to. There was a there was an episode came up there about Cronin's coaches outside the old Marlow Road there. But uh, Cronin's coaches that time they used to lay on buses for dockers when they used to be going back to milk powder boats, meat boats, container boats, all that carry on in the eighties. Yeah. And the bus, the bus used to meet the dockers a quarter two down the corner of the low road. But the wazzy, like, he was an awful character, like, and uh, that time, uh, Ding Ding Cron and the Lord of Nursing, I never forget it, he had a bear down the low road, was called the Scapa Flow. He That's was a docker right, himself. the Scapa Flow. But uh, <laughs> the wazzy was, was there for a couple of days, like, and he was, he was sizing all this up, you know, and... Uh, he was getting the crack going, like, we'll have to bribe this driver, like, and we'll have to get this bus stop going down here, like, and we'll have to get in there and have two quarts before we go down there. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I happened anyway, <laughs> I happened anyway, Neil, and, uh, 
I never forget it, boy. My father, like, you know what I mean? So I, there was, there was, I, I'm not exaggerating, no, there must have been 500 men there that time, like. <laughs> and his time, like, my father's time, like, he actually got seven strokes, five heart attacks. I don't know how the man lived to 80, like. But anyway, <laughs> I, um, himself in there, Mac the Gatler had there. Uh, the Lord of Mercy, then they had Mac the Gatler. Hang on a second. Why is he called Mac the Gatler? Yeah, the show. Just a character. That's another story. <laughs> That's another story. Like, but anyway, listen, like, tell you, it happened anyway. The driver, the driver, anyway, was driving, right, and stop the bus, stop the bus. The court, anyway, went on, and the father, like, I knew, I knew straight away, like, the father, like, he was scratching the head one tibly with Mac, like, and the. Uh, Eventually, anyway, here comes the father and Mac the Gatler on 250. It's the low road was two-way traffic that time, I think, Neil, 1983. It was, yeah. And yeah, uh, yeah. here they comes up, anyway, but Mac, Mac used never wear a helmet. He used to always wear a berry, you know? He used to wear a black belt. It was a black berry, like. <laughs> and uh, they get off the bike, anyway, and the father had the pipe inside in the mouth, and he was standing at the front of the bus. And his, I, I, the light of heaven to me, I can never forget it, by The first words he spoke, there's one thing for sure, he says, I can guarantee, he says, he won't be inside in that store in the morning for employment. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> they were characters, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like? <laughs> oh, my but, God. Uh, Happy days, boy. Happy day. Where did you drink uh, then? Did you drink in different pubs or was it the Scapa Flow? No, um, well... William? In later years, in later um, years, there, uh, in later years, we used to go up to the Wolfton Bear there, we used to have a mighty crack up there. The local, Stephen's local was, was the top of the hill, Neil. Yeah, yeah. He would go to the top, he would go to the top of the hill and uh, every Saturday night, yeah, he would be up, he would be up there and do his party piece and, and this is where a lot of doctors would go for weekends, you know. But listening to Noel there, I mean, Noel only spent time down around, uh, uh, down around Tivoli, driving the Parklifts on and off with the milk powder and stuff like that, and and and, and on the banana boat. But Stephen was 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 also worked in the South Jetties, and he, he also pulled a truck in the steam packet, you know. And I mean, that's where we, I mean. Right, no, Are you no, saying no, it was much harder on Horgan's Quayside than it was oh on the Tivoli God, side? Yes. Is it? Hey, come on, come on, Neil. I mean, come on. You, you had to pull a truck across. Uh, a cobblestones into the Liverpool store down there, you know, and, and I mean, you had you had no spare the Mikey Don with the pipe sticking out of his mouth and he's leading horses down onto the in the spelling. Come on, this place, that's, that's history down there, you it's know. Total Steve, history. Was the, Steve was in the middle of all that, Neil. Steve was in the middle of all that, you know. A legend, a legend, and he will be remembered for well years said. and years and years. Well when, said, when anybody speaks about the doc, they will talk about Quicksilver, and they will talk about the Wazzy, but no one knew Steve like we knew Steve. Yeah, his fellow Steve Dockers. Yeah, his Steve family and his fellow Dockers knew him best, oh, without yes. a doubt. Without Dockers, a doubt. Still free to pass, no one. And there's, like, he was passionate about this business of remembering, and he was on and on and on and on to people. Come on, we'd have to get this guy in, that guy in, and this guy in. This guy have a few bob, and that guy have a few bob. But What's it going to take to get it done, though? Well, we have meetings. We're waiting for meetings. We're waiting to speak to a guy in City Hall, a guy called Fergal Reed, and we're waiting for him to come back to us. We send emails to the T-Shop, and we send to Michael McGrath, 
every councillor in Cork has got an email from me, Neil. No, in fairness, and Mick Barry was the first on All right. first on board was Mick Barry. Okay. First on board okay. was Mick Barry. But let's but keep the push. Let's keep the push on for the memory of all of the dockers, but in particular for the memory of Stephen Hogan. Thank you, lads. Cheers for now. Thank you, Noel. Thank you, William. Very kind things to say on the Wazzy, Steve Hogan, who passed away over the weekend. Let me just take uh, another call on this, if you will just bear with me. Line three, Mary Redmond. Mary, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? I'm well, thank you. And you are from a three generations of Cork Dockers. Is that right? That's right, Neil. Okay. Just three generations. My father, my grandfather, all my uncles worked in the Geese. Now, it's gone mad over the world. They really go mad. Did you know him? Terribly. I did. I did. Everyone kind of knows they were there on the north side. I was on the committee for a while. And over the COVID, I left. But he had a very passion, like it's all. All Dockers kids, like we do have our Facebook page and things. And I did in February, wrote to the Dock and I asked him about it. And he put me on to Mr. Reedy in, in City Hall. Yeah, so hopefully that will City make Hall. so hopefully that will make all the difference because it needs to be it needs to be done. You know, it needs to be done once and for all. Such an important well, part of our history. Well, I tell you what, I was speaking to Mr. Reedy on the phone. He was a terrible nice man. We FaceTimed each other. Lovely. And I, I explained to him about the passion we had. He asked me, would I write a letter? Why should the doctors get it? Yeah. And as I said, I have first passion for it. Well, that's important and that you do all those things because that will go to the city manager and it may go to a vote at council. Um, and no, he, he did say that to me, Neil. Yeah, yeah. He said it will take a while. Now, the person that I, I said to him about the design then, and he said to me, you send off the design, he said. I said, we have someone, Fada. He wrote, I said, the Cox City Dockers, this, um, the show. I said, he wrote it, I said. He went back to school from Docker to, I said, artist. And he got first interested. Can he create the piece or did he draw the piece? Which? He actually created it. He drew it. He put every single thing into it. Can he make it? He Well, he wouldn't be able to make it. Okay, that's right. So he'll design it. And then we need to get an artist or a sculptor or somebody who works with stone or copper or brass or whatever it might be to create it. Yeah, they yeah. would actually create it, but yeah. it is a design. It's the most beautiful design I've ever seen. Well, we have the we have the sculpture factory in the city, not too far from the docks. They could be commissioned to build it. That's right. Yeah. Okay. That's okay. right. Okay. So he did say to me, and as I did say, um, look, I said it would be. I said they deserve it. They worked very hard for it. I said, and you know, fair is fair at the end of the day. Yeah. He said, Mary. We're, I'm going to have to sit down with a board, have a look at it. It will take a while, but I will get back well to done. you. Well, he has said. his job to do and he has to be given time to do it. And so you, yeah. you, you grew up in a, in a, you grew up as a child all through your younger, younger ages with your dad going down to the docks early in the morning, hoping to get a day's work. And he did. And I, like every other child, I suppose, on the north side, on the south side, yeah, he did. And he'd come in and we'd be waiting at the bus for him to come off with the chocolate crumb and his box of chocolate crumb and all the kids be waiting. I had more friends than anyone. Would he, be, would he come home exhausted, he would? 
Well, I tell you the truth, Neil, he worked in the coal boats, oh. and which would be very, very hard. Oh, yeah. And he'd get off the bus black from the coal, and he'd go up, he'd have his bat, he'd come down downstairs, he'd go to bed, and that black couldn't get off the bedclothes after my mother scrubbed them. I know. He had to be thrown out because it was stuck really into his skin. And what about his lungs, though? Well, he died. Well, he he's dead 20 years. Um, he, he actually never smoked or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I think the health and safety that time, there was no such thing. No, they were down uh, in the hold with shovels in hand before they got big grabbers to pull it out. But a lot of the time it was just a shovel and spade. It was. It was a shovel and spade. And I've, I've seen them as a child because a friend of, of, of my dad drove us down one time because we were staying in Red Barn. And he said, watch your dad over. And we were in the car because he was going into the canteen. And I was with my friend and his daughter. And he said, look at your dad, Mary. And I said, oh, my God, look how hard he's after work. He's working. And I got into the car. I didn't say anything. And when he came down, he was as black. And he went into the, the water in Red Bart. <laughs> and I say he was black by the time he came out. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, what a wonderful, wonderful dad. What a wonderful dad. He, oh, he asked God. He was a legend, really a legend in himself. And he was... You know, he was so good. He was, you know, most of the dockers, as you say, were all involved in something. He was mm. involved in the community. Yeah, yeah. You know, they were, they were hot and they were all friends. Oh, absolutely. Every one of them. Absolutely. Listen, friends. it's very sad to hear the Wazis passing. I don't know what age he was, but he must have been, a, he was quite, he was a quite a young man. That's for sure. He was a quite a young man. Uh, um, I think he was in his 70s, did someone say to me, was he 72, 73? There you go, there you go, there you go. Yeah, it was very sad, and his passion so much, was... Yeah, so much left to do, so you guys need to pick up the weight now. Well, we're waiting, we're waiting, at, well, I'm waiting anyway, where everyone is trying to get involved there, you know what yeah. I mean, which is brilliant. All right. That okay. we all come together. And if we get any news, I put it on Facebook that I got a letter from the Taoiseach or I got a letter from Mr. Reedy. So I put it up on Facebook. I did a little video about... Well, keep you know, that going. Up. Keep that going. And do stay in touch, Mary. Uh, little Birdie tells me that you're a sister of Honest Keith who broke his false teeth last <laughs> week. How, how, come Keith, how come Honest Keith didn't go down working in the docks? He never followed Wait. in his dad's footsteps, no? No, Keith went to England when he was young. <laughs> First boat out of town to avoid the docks and the coal boats. Yeah. Well, there was eight, there was eleven of us there. So the boys, the older boys now would have went. Um, they would have went to casual workers, doing banana boats. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You know, casual wouldn't be full time or yeah. anything like that. You had to get your and ticket, then, of course. Yeah. 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 Yeah, because um, we went to England because I was after saying it to him. I said, look. He said, Mary, I can't remember her all. Do you know what I mean? I don't remember that much at all, really. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was in England. But everyone will recognise us as your man with the teeth. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can laugh about it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Must be very interesting to have a brother like Keith. He's always got a story on the go. <laughs> Well, I tell you, I have a few of them like them, but none of them comes on the radio. <laughs> One of them is enough. One brother's enough for me. Yeah, Look after yourself. When I hear some Neil, I'd be all, I know, he's always got something new to offer, hence his repetition on air. There's always some new string in his bow. But listen, regards to you, Mary, and all the family, and do stay in touch, all right? Cheers. I will, of course, and if we do get news... Oh, yeah, absolutely, come back to the news, yeah. All right, okay. I will, of course. Bye, right, bye, bye, bye. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday, 1850-104-106. Okay, I'll go back to calls in just two minutes, don't Noreen, but I got a very interesting email that came in the back end of last week. I've been reporting a lot on med- medical negligence within their healthcare system and unfortunately medical negligence is coming out of the CUH and the CUMH. Way too many for confidence. But uh, I got an email and said, I came across an article that caught my eye and boiled my blood. How many cases between 2008 and 2012 have had medical negligence claims against them due to staff incompetence, I wonder? Um, Or is it different staff or the same? Uh, Something similar happened to a child of mine in 2010, and you can be sure I caused a very, very big deal about this at the time. Uh, As I'm no doctor, but even I knew there was something wrong during labour. For it to happen to my child was enough But this is at least the fourth article in the space of months with more or less the exact same problems and in and around the same time frames, give or take 24 months. It's like they don't actually learn from their mistakes, nor are they held accountable. They're happy to pay out money instead, but all that money is just to comfort uh, to her for a mistake they made that seems to be a regular occurrence. There was a similar case recently about a girl from Cork, but in my opinion, these should not be happening at all. I can still picture the two incompetents inside the room, and they did not have a clue what they were doing, to be honest. Don't give up my details, because I want to keep it private for my child's sake. Uh, My child got compensation, and so did his mum. But that is not worth the horrendous experience that we had. Thank God our child is okay, though. I'm enraged for it to happen once more. Uh, or once again, but to be a continuous thing over the short space of 24 months or less is absolutely awful. Uh, Thanks for that. Um, I won't give out your details, but you were referencing a couple of cases there recently. I believe one of them uh, had a settlement of 20 million for a child. And the last one I mentioned was a settlement of in and around 8 to 10 million, I believe. And for you, it's happening way too often. So thank you for that. Uh, Please highlight this for me. My son is only 14 and he was hanging out. This is from Friday's program. He was hanging out um, probably Thursday afternoon with some friends when he was jumped upon by some thug. He did fight back to protect himself, but he was shaken by it, as I am. All that stuck out in his head is that two grown adults who were not together, were standing there the whole time, recording it, and never intervened. Oh my God, what has the world come to? Not only am I upset that some little scumbag thinks he can put his hands on my child, but the fact that nobody helped, stood by, and adults filmed it. A message for the adults that stood by, you should be ashamed of yourself. I actually have no words for the world we live in. It's so sad. Um, That's unbelievable, you know? Two grown adults, just... Like, what, filming it for kicks, for shares and like on social media? Unbelievable. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Noreen, good morning. Oh, good morning, Nave. Jimmy Ross was a docker. Was he your husband? That's right. But before I speak about that now, I'm very sorry to hear about Stephen Hogan's death. It's terribly sad, isn't it? Unbelievable. Very sad. I mean, I mean, you must... But my husband was, 
my husband was a docker, the youngest docker ever. He went down at 15. And at that time, you get your father's badge. And then when his dad died, the 8th of March, he got his badge. He was the youngest ever. He was 16 then. So when his dad died... His badge, which his is his light, which is his license to work on the docks. They weren't given out lightly, should they weren't? Oh no, no way. Also, his father was chairman of the docks for twenty years. Because the badge was, yeah. Well, the badge would be entitled you to work first work. The casuals would wait till well, the end. That's right, yeah. And the longest there, I guess, would be first. You know, they were named. They were named. They had all their own names. We say for the chosen dozen. Or things like the dirty dozen. Oh my God! You know, I mean, the, like the, I think Rocky yeah, Stone. I think Rocky Stone put together. There. I think Rocky Stone put yeah. together a list of Docker's nicknames. We'd be here all day. Rocky, yeah. yeah, but we read that book now, Neil. He was down there forty-four years, and he he was an all-rounder. Knowing nothing, he was the only one. But he was down there. He was an all-rounder. He could do winches. He could do anything. Coal boat. He and brimstone. If I can remember all those kind of boats. And was there good money to be made? Well, I suppose there was good money, but I suppose you were you were fond of the drink at that time. A lot of them, not all of them. Yeah. But you know, if they were waiting for a boat, they'd go in and have a drink, obviously. Yeah. yeah and yeah, that's yeah. the way it was at that time. Oh, no, there was the tough side to it and everything, trying to rear families. And unfortunately, oh, not all of them came home. Then, yeah. Not all of yeah. them came home with the moolah on time. I know. That was sad. That was sad. No, that was very sad. Yeah. Also, his, his maternal grandfather walked down there. His great grandfather walked down, down there. And his, his patern- and his maternal grandfather walked down there. All belonged to him. Walked in the key. And you're going back many, many centuries, you know. This is not something yeah, from the 1900s. That's right. This is, no, this is going back to sale, you know, 1400s, right, 1500s, yeah. even maybe earlier. Unbelievable, unbelievable. But at the moment, now my daughter's doing it, the, uh, the family tree and she's after coming up. But no, we, he didn't know a lot of it, like. And also his cousin, um, I can't think of his first name, the Moriarty's. Nailis Moriarty, he walked in the key all his life. So the, oh, it's not a great facility. Yeah, yeah. Um... <laughs> Is he there though? Is Jimmy Ross there or where is he? He is, but he won't go on. Because he, he, gets a bit, he gets a bit ad, agitated when he hears, oh, you know, it, how would I put it? He's a shy he docker. Well, I wouldn't say he'd be shy, <laughs> but I think he would be very opinionated. And he'd say what's true, but some people, who likes the truth? Not many of us. Now, also, all the Quilligans walked down there. Yeah, there Simon Quilligan was very young when he was down there. Michael walked there. They All, all the Quilligans, all the brothers, they all walked there. Yeah, a lot of the time it was handed on, as you said, the badge was handed on. It's a bit like many of the old, many of the jobs and companies that were family companies in Cork were handed on most of the time from father to son. It was, it was, of course, it was. uh, One of my father-in-law's best friend walked down there, Josie Driscoll. He walked down there as well. I know a lot of them because my mother-in-law would be telling me. And there was a time that he, they'd come to his, to my father-in-law's house for two, um, to see could they get a... I mean, he got the dirty money for them. He fought for all of them. He was known as Big Jim. Big Jim. Rossi, one yeah. of the other. Big, Big Jim, Jim. Yeah. Big Jim. And d- yeah. what was dirty money? Was that working on coal? Is it extra for that or what? They get money for working on dirty boats. Dirty boats. They weren't dirty, but he fought for that. Yeah. yeah. And there and was many a man, I'd say, thrown in the river. Oh, listen, there was the many reason. died down there. Oh, there was. That's right. There wasn't any safety at that time. And they walked in the brimstone. And their eyes would be all all red. There was no goggles that came in later. 
many, many years And later. it had a terrible impact on their health as well, didn't it? I mean, their lungs and what and have you, and then asthma and, and, and stuff like... Uh, imagine they, was, they were plagued with arthritis from the cold and the wet. Of course, the same as builders, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, they were down on the riverfront, and that's usually fair cold. Well, we're remembering the Wazi Stephen Hogan this morning and his passing, so it's lovely to hear from you guys. It really is. That's okay. We were thinking about them, yeah. But it's nice to remember the older doctors too. Well, all of them, yeah. Okay, all of them. You well, know, this we know the Quillians now and all of them because they all walked and they can tell many a story. And it's nice to hear about the doctors. Of course it is, and if they're not that, not many could do. Okay, well, look, so mind yourself, Noreen, and give our regards to Jimmy Ross, who's there with you, the doctor himself. And thank you ever so much, Neil, for taking the call. All the best. God bless. Thanks, Noreen. If there are other dockers, actually, and, you know, dockers are getting on in age now, many of the dockers from down the Keys, so it'd be good to hear from them. You can pick up the phone on one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. text 868 on banks and bank issues um, and just feeling just damn well not welcome anymore. I walked into my local bank, the AIB, to lodge cash to an account. I didn't have the account number of the person I was lodging for, but I had their name, their address and their date of birth. I was turned away by one of those Q assistants who said, I cannot lodge money to the account without the account number. I put it to him, can you not search the system for the account with the personal details uh, that I have? And he said, oh no, we can't do that. You'll need to get the account number. It's a farce, I said. Uh, I know your system can search for an account holder. It's your own system. He ushered me out telling me to get the account number. For all practical purposes, it's a joke designed at every level to put you online constantly. Imagine how difficult that would be for an old age pensioner. I accept your point, actually, with regards to old age pensioners of people who are not online savvy. I get all of that. And for anybody that doesn't have a smartphone now, forget it. Trying to deal with banks. But the point of yours with regards to going into the bank, trying to lodge money into another person's account... I understand where the bank is coming from. There's some very hefty and serious money laundering legislation in this country. And they just can't have people walking in off the street without account numbers, lodging money into other people's accounts because of money laundering. Or they call it money muling and things like that. So there's that and lots more besides um, to deal with when it comes to customer service. Back after the break. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. That's a difficult scenario. Hospitality finds themselves in now. Tickets into nightclubs and late bars will have to be booked an hour in advance. Uh, hospitality sector was told this morning that tickets will have to be booked digitally online. Um, queuing outside clubs will also be prohibited with only ticket holders allowed to queue up, others hanging around to try and get in. I don't know how they're going to police that one. I suppose they'll leave it up to the clubs, but I'm not quite sure as to what it means by late bars. Is that late bars, late bars, or is it late bars with live music? So I suppose we'll tell a lot in the next few hours. Um, On the subject of being on hold for online bank queries, um, the great thing is live chat. If they have live chat, at least you can get somewhere. There's someone on the other end of it. But when you're waiting 70 minutes on hold, I heard your painful experience with the bank on Friday. I had the same last week. I had to go into a dark room and lie down. I was so frustrated. I actually had to revert to writing to the bank old-fashioned to explain my issue. Absolutely unbelievable in this day and age. You couldn't make it up. I await to see if they'll even reply. Um, I love the show, says Carol. Well, they probably will, but I mean, what are you expecting? A handwritten letter back? Hardly. Hope you don't just going to get a typical response like you do when you go on and they give you choices of questions that might suit your needs. Does that wreck anybody's head? Live chat's great. Uh, I know Air did very badly in this survey, a customer service, but three, the three network, still have live chat. I hope they don't get rid of it anytime soon because it does make a difference. I mean, 
somebody answering the damn phone would be an awful lot better on the docks um, oh my apologies I was due to talk to Jordan Bracken this morning about uh, clubs in Cork in the 90s and well the 80s and 90s but I don't have time for that this morning, so we'll do it tomorrow. But on the dockers and the passing of the Wazi, please let the men know from the docks that I'm looking to get their stories from them, to write them into a song to immortalise the Cork dockers. Please pass on my details, says the great singer-songwriter, Miles Gaffney. Oh my God, chocolate crumb. My dad used to bring it home in the 80s. There's a blast from the past. Love the show, says Chris. It was literally was that, I suppose. It was like um, like a poor man's version of crunchy I guess or something to that effect uh, and on Paul's cancer journey lovely chat with him this morning we wish him the best of luck with his chemo and his treatment that he'll get well again Paul is so wonderful I wish you health and happiness my friend you are an inspiration telling your story on air we wish him all the best in his journey to recovery my dad only got 10 weeks from diagnosis and passed away on the 18th of October we miss him so much stay strong Paul thank you Paul you are so positive and inspirational keep going another one here well done Paul uh, I always knew you were a fighter and a lovely text here as well listening to Paul sitting in my car waiting to go in for my radium for breast cancer diagnosed at 41 in March this year I had four months of chemo before uh, all of this keep strong Paul your positivity will get you through so much baby steps and as I always say, one day at a time, good luck with your fight. We can do this. Thank you for that. And Shiona, who's a breast cancer survivor, says, keep fighting it. Go, Paul. Keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.